I feel like I have to censor myself because what if she hears me? <laughs> oh, she's there cleaning? Yeah. Well, can you ask her if she would, how she feels about a gig economy app of hand jobs for straight people? <laughs> Is there a one for girls? Like, I, I feel like it would be Tinder, but just like they need to get more specific, you know? Tinder, but like only second base. Wait a minute. I'm 42. What's second base now? <laughs> No, actually, that's a really fair question because I actually don't know. When I was growing up, second base meant you let somebody touch your boobs. Why would you do that? No, I thought that was first base. No, what the fuck? What's what? What do you mean? What first base is touching boobs? Like the the default is kissing? What? I mean, I don't know about modern rules. I I am I also am an old. Is a home run now butt sex? Because like I feel like the millennials are. Oh, Bubs left the room. Fuck. And welcome to Maybe Geek Again, a podcast where we cover sci-fi TV shows through the lens of philosophy and dick jokes. My name is Joe, and I'm joined by my perky co-hosts. <laughs> I know, Bubs, and special friend of the pod, returning champion Cece. Hi, guys. Oh, returning champion. That's I know, exciting, right? Joe. You're welcome. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, and I think even possibly Android Play or whatever the fuck they call it. Yes. Um, we also love fan feedback, so feel free to come yell at us on Twitter at MayWeGeekAgain or at MayWeGeekAgain at gmail.com. And of course, we always post the episodes to Reddit in case you enjoy a long-form discussion. This is our episode 74th. Is that the word? Um, yes. Whatever. It is now. And we are going to be talking about The 100, Season 6, Episode 12, which means we have one more episode this season. Great to have you here, guys. Hello. Great to be here. Yeah. Um, we usually start off with a little, uh, like, one-sentence uh, intro of yourself and then a quick little icebreaker game. Um, because we are at the penultimate episode, and this is The 100, our icebreaker game is just going to be... Who you got your your bets on uh, with who's going to die this season by 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 the end of next episode? Hmm. So, um, Cece, since you are you know returning guest, friend of the pod, um, you know mother of television, what's up? Fresher <laughs> <laughs> um, <Brusher> of hair. <laughs> I realized that wiper last- of noses, purses yes. of snacks. <laughs> The last time, wait, is this, you want me to say who I am yeah. and where? Okay, well, I am a recovering lawyer, full-time mom to three kiddos in Washington, D.C. The last time I was on the podcast was actually the penultimate episode of season five. Was it? Did you not yeah. come on for any of our Expanse coverage? Oh, I meant for like the hundred. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did. This is this is just your time slot, though. Yeah, yeah. It's the penultimate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Five twelve was the last one you did for the hundred. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that's a long time ago. I know. I know. Also, it was just like a terrible episode. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) So, but yeah. So I don't. If folks haven't heard a while, I used to write um, sometimes some political, like looking at the hundred through a political lens. on Hypeable, and I host a podcast about 12 monkeys called Word of the Witnesses, which is a sister podcast to May We Geek Again. Yeah, and, and Bubs fantastic. and I have both appeared on that one, and it is amazing, and she gets amazing guests and Aww. does a great um, job with that one. Yeah, so you guys had um, the creator 
Terry Metalis on. Um, Pretty much all of the cast. All of the cast. Uh, except minus... for Otterize so far. Yes. So um, you said that like a dagger and it's like a dagger in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you haven't had him on yet. <laughs> yet. Yes. There's um, still plenty more podcasts to go. Exactly. Um, but yeah, then, no, it's an amazing podcast. and Everyone should listen. Exactly. Um, oh, thanks, guys. Am I supposed to say who I think? Yeah. Who's, who's on your death watch? Um, I have like two categories. Okay. Who, who else of all of these new and pointless characters that they introduced <laughs> that belong to Sanctum will die? Okay. And you would think based on what they've done and sort of the past, you'd think that Russell's the one who's going to die along with his wife mm-hmm. and that Gabriel is you the mean one permanent will, death. Permanent death. Okay. And that Gabriel will be the one that survives and ultimately gets integrated. Um, But maybe they're going to do the thing where Gabriel dies and finally gets the redemption that he wanted of ultimate death. And we're stuck with Russell having to be integrated in the group in the future, like Dioza. Or or they all die. And then we wonder why we spent so much time with all of them. It's really just just a Chex Mix bowl of who knows. (laughs) Right. So... I, I don't know. I th- after killing Abby off, I'm kind of thinking maybe that's the last regular cast member we're going to lose. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, Bubs? Yeah, I think it's really hard, especially, yeah, Kane and Abby are gone. So how much more are they going to the cast Which, I down? mean, again, I am sorry to the Cabby fans for how it went down. I yeah. had my own beef with it. But on the other hand, fuck, I we was We popped the champagne. Yeah, we popped the champagne <laughs> on that one. Uh, but no, yes, it's did you both? Like, you both? I did not. So we'll, we'll we'll get into it. We'll yeah. get into it. I did not. Yeah, we can get into it. Um, yeah. So I oh I didn't introduce myself. Um, Everyone knows who the fuck you. Who, I know, who the right? Fuck you are. I'm Bubbles. I live in New York. Today well, I should talk about the beer that I'm drinking, which is oh. Blue Moon Mango Wheat. It's much lower in percentage than I normally oh, go. So not going to be sloppy Saturday, Bubs. It's not sadly. But um, but this is like something I tried to order um for delivery one time, and then they called me and they're like, "We don't have it," and I was like, "God damn it!" Because it sounds delicious. Is it so, delicious? It is delicious. It tastes like. Can you juice. taste the mango. <laughs> um, yeah, you actually interesting because usually they're like, "Hey, you know, here's a pumpkin beer, here's a strawberry wheat ale, yeah. or something," and you're like, "So somebody walked through the brewery like eating that once, maybe, and like a <laughs> molecule made it into the cask, like." Yeah, so I, I appreciate. I'm gl- I'm glad to hear that you can actually taste taste the rainbow, as they yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you want a good pumpkin beer, and like Cece will back me up on this, it's Pumpkin mm-hmm. from uh-huh. Shipyard. Okay, that shit's delicious, and it totally does taste taste like pumpkin. But Joe, you should never have it because it's too high in alcohol for you. <laughs> um, but you can good definitely enjoy out. the mango. Thanks, so, Bubs. No problem. <laughs> Just looking out for you. Who's who's on your death watch? Um, okay, so. I keep going back and forth with it. Like, I was for sure that it was Raven. Mm. But then, but then Lin- Lindsay posted. Lindsay she's posted. Gonna be, I, I still think maybe she, she might only be in a couple of episodes, maybe. Yeah, like, maybe, maybe there's, like, flashbacks? Or, like, know. they kill her off? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wish, uh, given how little they've, a storyline they've given her, so I mean. Uh, I can see why she might want to leave. Right. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. It's just, it's 
been criminal how underused this actress is. She's a good actress. Like Raven has been a great character. Absolutely. And this is an ep- this is a season that's all about technology. So you would think that she'd play a very crucial role the entire way through. Like she would have like her own storyline with Riker the yeah. whole way through. With, yeah, with the co- and all the connection like, to Becca, which they keep like name dropping and which then it seemed like they were, but then yeah. nothing. Well, yeah. And then and then Echo just killed Riker. So there's like no continuity with like whatever like lessons they were learning from each other, which is I don't I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. So I guess maybe she lives. So then I thought maybe Murphy, but then Richard posted about like getting ready for season seven. So I was like, oh, God damn it, all of my list of like guesses is um I guess it's not gonna happen. So I guess Louisa hasn't said anything, and I'd be so sad to, to lose Maury because I thought that that one episode where you kind of, like, got to see into how she reacts to things was so great. Like, I think mm-hmm. she's such a great character. Mm-hmm. Um, So I'd be sad to see her go, but, like, again, like, they haven't given her much to do. So she's, like, on my list of maybes. And then um, Gabriel, I, I don't know. I feel like he should die. He spent 25 years torturing infants which we'll get into later um so like that's like one where i'm like but i'll I'll talk about like why i'm like confused as to what they'll do with him and then russell was definitely on my to die list but then um the actor told bob and eliza like see you soon so i don't know if they're having a game night again or if he means like see you in filming yeah (laughs) Yeah. so i don't know the other thing the other thing too is um with now that they've killed off abby Mm -hmm. You have we still have Jackson, who's a doctor, right? Yeah. But does Gabriel because Gabriel knows all about the planet and all about how to like heal people, right? Using stuff on the planet. So mm-hmm. like people get wounded on this show a lot. And practically yeah. speaking, you need I don't know, Multiple, like we've brought this up on the pod before. Like, how is it that like Jackson also doesn't have a medical shadow. Right. Like, and, cl- and clearly there's like 85 doctors taking care of Jordan somewhere. So, oh my God. We're going right? to Oh my God. I forgot about that. Like, exactly. Yeah, who's exactly. watching him? Like a, a gardener? Like, I, I just. So anyway, that's why I wonder if like, you know, like, like for example, if you kill off Raven, there's no one to fly any planes. Yeah. And you've now killed off Abby. So there's certain, like, in a show that relies so much on tech, you need a certain amount of characters that are able to, like, who have the expertise to keep the plot moving. (laughs) So, you know, like, so that's why, like, I thought maybe, but I, yeah. So I don't know. And, like, Gabriel knows so much about the, you know, the, the chips and everything that if they ever wanted to actually explore Becca mm-hmm. and, and, and build that mythology further, he seems like the best character to do that. But I don't know. Who the fuck knows? Yes. Who All the right. fuck knows? <laughs> How about you, Joe? Um, well, uh, I'm Joe. I, I live in Austin, Texas. You guys have heard me on the podcast before. Um, let's see here. Death Watch. So, so yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. Bunch of the, I think we're going to lose most of the people that we met, um, obviously, this season, because that's kind of what we do. We might keep an adult around, possibly Russell, possibly Gabriel, possibly both. Um, I don't think we spent enough time with any of the other primes to really warrant them hanging around. Mm -hmm. Um, And it would be kind of interesting. 
those characters, like the primes, I actually do find them interesting, if only because the amount of knowledge that they have. Like they remember Earth. Like that is fucking wild. Mm-hmm. Um like, so I think that that's kind of cool. And then, yeah, like what you were saying, Cece, having to like sort of tie it back in a little bit more with Becca. Um, as far as our core group goes, you know, yeah, uh, Raven was on my death watch, but, you know, Lindsay confirmed season seven, whether or not that was, you know, again, a flashback or she's just being salty, hard to say. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, part of me is a little bit glad just because, you know, even though she hasn't really had too much story, I still like Raven. Mm-hmm. Um, she has potential. She, she has potential. Has potential. You know, and and I gotta say, like, uh, unless we get, like, I, like, part of me is like, wow, so are they just gonna kill off Jordan off screen? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that that would be kind of super weird for this show to do because they don't often do that. But at the same time, like, he hasn't been in here for, what, five episodes? Four episodes? Five it episodes? It is crazy! Like and, like, hasn't even it's been crazy. mentioned for some of it. And you're kind of like, okay. But on the other hand, you know, that would be kind of a real slap in the face in terms of, like, all the work that they've done about being like, you know, let's let's do better. Let's listen to Monty and Harper. Let's honor them. So if they were just like, P.S. Their kid is dead. <laughs> On to the next season. Oh, uh, I I do think that we're gonna get some sort of um, you know Dioza coming out of the anomaly with a fully grown child or something, and maybe everyone you know maybe a lot of people go back go into the anomaly because I don't know it's like the expanse it will take you to a new universe or a different time period I don't fucking know like maybe that's how they write him off but I'm kind of really thinking that we might lose Jordan to some sort of not dead but still gone plot force, Hmm. which I'd be, which if that happens, that makes me wonder what the fuck happened behind the scenes. Um, Because that would be super weird, you know? But like, where the fuck is Jordan? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, we we all have this point, so let's actually just talk about it right fucking now. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I don't uh, – so I think you're giving – I don't know how much of it is. Like I think I came away, and, and this ties into Jordan, with we are at a – I have – this show has had a problem of having too many characters to service mm-hmm. for a yeah. while now. But at, at this point in season six <laughs> where we keep – we are now at this point where we have added characters along the way. Do you know what I mean? So like Mm -hmm. we keep having, um, I guess Mount Weather is the only group of new characters that we didn't get to keep anybody, but like, right. Like we have Echo from Ascada. We have Dioza from Allegis. We have Mm -hmm. like, right. So we keep adding more and more and more and more characters. Here's the thing though. We keep Dioza. Like she is. What? We keep Dioza. She's been fucking great. No, 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 no. We haven't seen her for a while. She's been the best part of the season for me. Absolutely. What I'm saying is I feel like even though this has been a kind of thing that's bothered me, frankly, since um, the end of season four, where it was like, Mm -hmm. there's too much going on. There's too many characters. And so they end up like not even, you know, like Bellamy doesn't even know Kane's dead right now. Do you know, like things like that where it just doesn't feel like everybody feels like they're in their silos this watching this episode where it's like jordan hasn't been mentioned for five episodes like they have too many characters and you can't service that many characters in a 13 episode 
series like season with all of the plot that's going on and introducing all of these new characters with all of their backstories and all of this new mythology it it, you get to it's another moment of getting to the end of the season and things emotionally like are not landing Mm -hmm. and the jordan stuff just doesn't like think back to the series the season five finale like jordan was the big reveal right he's he has been gone for half the season and hasn't fucking done anything other than date a girl who's dead. Like, that's all he's done all season. So, like, it just doesn't... I don't understand how you get to the end of this season and and Monty and Harper's kid, who is who the audience has that attachment and emotional investment in, and you've done nothing with him, and he's been off camera for five episodes. Yep. Yeah. And having been stabbed by Crazy Child. Yeah. <gasps> And when we talk about, like, the technology plot line, like, he obviously knows tech stuff from his parents or from Monty. So, like, it would be great to have integrated him with, like, a storyline that has Raven mm-hmm. and Amori and Riker. And they're, like, doing their own thing where they're, like, trying to work on building, their, you know, a new area with their own shield, etc. Yeah. Um, it, It's just, like, we never focus on rebuilding. We always get caught caught up in these, like us versus them plot lines and i just think that like if we allowed in the narrative space for these stories it would be really interesting and we'd have like so many more character moments but yeah we have too many characters and i don't think that we i don't know we don't like split up the story well enough um yeah and frankly we it's season six we know how us versus them is gonna pan out oh my god so you know so unless it's not like clark and them are gonna lose Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, they, it may come at a, you know, it may come at like a, they tried to do better and it still ended up killing a bunch of people in kind of a nihilistic way that I fully expect. But like, <laughs> but, but we, it's season six. We know that. Yeah. So you can only invent so many new worlds and so many new groups of people that you meet with. The reason why you want to keep watching is because you're emotionally invested in these characters that we've been on the journey with since the pilot. And when you forget to include the son of characters like Monty and Harper that go back to season one, when you kill off a character like Abby in the way that you did when she was the second character that we only ever met, it's they're just all symptoms of the same problem, which mm-hmm. is a lack of attention to character. Yeah. Um, on, on that note, I'm actually just going to quickly introduce the episode and then we will get back to our <laughs> overall takes. Um, We are, if you haven't uh, already known, we are talking about Season 6, Episode 12, Adjustment Protocol, uh, written by Kim Shumway and directed by Antonio Negret. Um, Hopefully I pronounced that right. Um, Mm -hmm. So we are kind of talking about, uh, you know, some of the issues that we had, uh, obviously, with this episode and sort of the season as a whole. Um, But, you know, do you guys have any other overall takes that you'd like to, you know, uh, jump into and address before we we actually dive into a little bit more, um, you know, episode-specific discussion? Yeah, I mean, we're, we'll get into the details, yes. Um, I think overall, um, I thought that the pacing was good. That's the first thing I noticed because I always talk about how pacing to me is like very important. So from that perspective, while I was watching it the first time, I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, like I have issues with several like items in the story, but overall it feels like lots is going on. We're moving at a good pace um, and we're doing a lot is how I felt when I was watching it. So from that perspective, and that's, I think, a very hard thing to do. 
Um, so I, I give them props for that. The other thing is that Eliza Taylor just acted her little butt off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, she's a, she's a great actress and she does deserve an Emmy for this season. Um, she's been great. Like, and it's been great. I think, especially for her as, you know, a person again, I'm just speculating, but like, yeah. you know, you've played a character for six seasons who definitely has had some growth, but has also, you know, uh, we talked about this last season and a lot of people had issue with how muted Clark seemed and how down. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would imagine as an actor that kind of takes a toll on you because you do have to take that on as, as your performance. And so to also get to sort of flip the switch and be Josephine, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm sure that that was kind of a nice challenge and she's been, she's been doing a great job, especially we got so many moments of her trying not to crack Mm-hmm. and let people know that she is Clark. So, you know, the stuff in the science lab when she's, like, getting operated on by Russell, the stuff with her mom, mm-hmm. the stuff, you know, in front of other people, um, you know, with Murphy and stuff. Like, it, it that stuff, it, those scenes, like, Eliza just, she's great. Like, she's she's a great actress. And, yeah. you know, yeah. unfortunately, because of the show that she's on, on the network that she's on, I think, um, you know, it does become kind of hard for them to get that kind of, you know, appropriate mm-hmm. recognition, I think. Yeah. Agreed. It's like a Russian doll of acting challenges. You know what I mean? So like like the episode that was called Matryoshka um, that we had a couple episodes ago. Yeah, exactly. Was was there an episode called that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like two episodes ago, maybe? Three? Um, 610? 610, something like that. And also, not only that, but I mean, uh, Clark... Think about five... The last time I was on here was 512, right? (laughs) So think about... Uh, the the I hate it because I think it's super sexist but the mama bear going fucking crazy and burning it all to the ground to save her child and then you look at sort of that character growth where Clark is like I can't just kill everyone in this room to save Maddie you know what I mean like I have to play along and have that self-control and not give it away I mean there's just a lot of layers to what's going on with that character and her performance it was super impressive yeah, yeah, and I, I noticed that too. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get to that scene. But I think that that's a great comparison that we can discuss between like the mama bear and like the quote unquote real Clark. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that I thought was that I, for most of the episodes, when I first watch them, I get really fixated on the parts that like upset me. <laughs> so then like I'll rewatch and like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I was, like, I was kind of being a baby about these things. Like this is still terrible, but this is like, this is good. This is like, that was like a really nice thought or this was creative, etc. This was the one episode that I liked more on my initial viewing. Um, because when I, st- when I sat down to like take notes about this episode, it was really hard. And I had a really hard time explaining um, some of the motivations that the characters had and why they were doing certain things because they were saying one thing, but it didn't really make sense overall to me. <laughs> and there there was a lot of moments like that. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, okay. that was my take. Okay. Um, do you have anything else, Cece? Um, in terms of acting, or I just, thought... Or just kind of your overall takes, yeah. But yeah, overall in terms take. of acting. Um, I think the things I enjoyed the most, um, were, again, (laughs) character relationship moments and acting. Like, I, I, I'll I'll be quite frank, there hasn't been a lot about this season that has had me ever fist, fist pumping and far from it, Mm -hmm. but the Blake's moment of when they got the shield down and you had them 
actually smile at one another mm-hmm. and like make a joke of like, see, I told you she would get it down and and then march off as Battle Blakes, which they haven't been, right? Like yeah. in a re- since season two, Battle Blakes. Yeah. Like uh, to be no, honest. Point quick point, uh, when I was watching with my girlfriend, like, and they started charging in, she was like, Why are you running? To get to Sanctum is like a mile away. You're not gonna be able to sprint the whole way. Anyway, that was that was her well actually. <laughs> the whole thing. Anyway, continue. Sorry, Yeah, I mean, so you know, that relationship has just been misery for three mm-hmm. seasons yeah you know i feel like 80 percent of their conversations have been one wishing the other would die so it was really nice for them to like smile at one another and be like yes because i love the blakes right like yeah. it's one of the relationships i've been invested in since the beginning exactly. and then the clark and murphy moment i thought at the end mm-hmm. was beautifully acted I mean, we've talked about Eliza's acting, but Richard's acting Amazing in that. As well. Oh my god! Like, I dude, mean, the cast single so tier, capable. single tier. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, like I just <laughs> thought he, and I wasn't even because I was super into his um, space glam look. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, girlfriend who is a big fan of John Murphy was very into his space glam. Oh my um, god! Like, just petition to keep Murphy looking like that space forever. Glam. Murphy needs his own uh, eyeliner budget. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, I will say that I I have really enjoyed the Gabriel character. Interesting. Um, I I have. And I, I, who knows? I hope he sticks around. I I do think it's kind of... um, would you want to like get into themes and stuff like that later? Yeah, no, no. I mean, let's let's just uh, this kind of episode. Like, it, it's not really like because everything was kind of taking place in the same place. Um, we'll probably just kind of talk about uh, you know sort of character interactions. And so you know, yeah, talk about whatever it, the fuck you want. We're not it that was honest. it was an episode when it ended that my husband, who's been a fan like a long for as long as we all have been, turned to me and said. Now that felt like an episode of The 100. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of maybe what Bubs, what you were getting at, that it was a crazy up and down ride, mm-hmm. right? And like setting up the finale, like it felt like I enjoyed the as much as there as much as I continue to be perpetually frustrated with the character stuff on the show. This is one of the episodes this season that I was like, I enjoyed that mm-hmm. <laughs> on first watch, just the ride of mm-hmm. it. If I that actually makes sense. have found this season. I've been enjoying this season more as it's gone on. Um, just cause it, it like, I, and I, I totally get your points of like character issues and stuff like that and not being able to solve them, you know, with a single conversation too little too late, like, you know, putting all that stuff aside, um, you know, as we're kind of there, there, there are obviously story issues that I have, but you know, on the other hand, yeah, this felt like a fucking hundred episode where like there were fucking highs and lows and you know, yay, Raven and Abby finally having a conversation. But on the flip side, yeah, like it was in service of Abby's dying. Yeah. You know, in the next fucking scene. Um, But you know, like you still got that emotional moment of being like, yay, finally, like, Finally, we're acknowledging all of, you know, some stuff and we're having a conversation about it. Um, you know, it's just, you know, sandwiched in between some some sad. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, I was trying to think of what is the overall theme of this season other than the usual 
us versus them, one versus the many survival. Stuff. I mean, I think, I think, I think it's your your twelve monkeys uh, gets to come in on this. Well, yeah, I think there's, I think there's two. So I think there's, if we let's put a pin in that one for okay. now. Um, Missing what? an opportunity to talk about twelve monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will because it gets to the Gabriel stuff, but. In terms of be, just because we were talking about character yeah. and and you reference that conversation between Abby and Raven, I think um, if I try and step back and say, I think one of the themes of this season is redemption versus judgment. Okay, and and what. What do you need to do to forgive yourself? What do you need to do for others to forgive you? What, where is that line between being uh, demanding that somebody atone and then you reach a tipping point of being judgmental and you don't make room for atonement, right? And redemption, which I felt like a little bit was going on with Abby and Raven. I, I think one of the things that is like that's been going on with Murphy and Clark. Mm-hmm. That's been going on between the Blake siblings um, with Octavia being like in the last episode, what do I need to do? Right. <laughs> um, between Abby and Raven, um, Clark actually with many, many characters, right? Like other than Bellamy who forgave her like at the top of the season, a lot of people, Raven and Clark, right? Mm-hmm. And so we had many, 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 many conversations between characters where people were still angry with one another. and you can characterize it as holding a grudge or just demanding atonement or saying you need to make up for things that you've done. That was over many episodes. And now they're like cramming in all of the like putting the healing and putting people back together mm-hmm. in like two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's not, I like the, I like that theme. Like I want characters to talk about it, but like, I don't know. It's like, is it too little too late? I mean, with Raven and Abby, I was kind of, uh, it was like, you just cram this into one conversation because Abby's going to die. Yeah. It needed to be starting last episode. Like it needed to happen or it needed to happen like starting this whole fucking season where maybe Abby is trying to atone and Raven is not having her nonsense. And I think, you know, and maybe Abby is perhaps too defensive when she tries to start, you know, talking about it. And then finally we would end up in this episode where Abby strips away all of her defensiveness and is like, you know what? I fucked up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then that might have been, slightly, you know, a more satisfying payoff as opposed to like Abby having this epiphany that she's been a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, so in other ways that this kind of dovetails with some of the other characters is, and, and I'm... I, if you guys have already talked about this on previous podcasts with the primes and the idea of eternal life mm-hmm. yeah, and not having, as Murphy experienced at the beginning of the season, whatever he experienced when he died in terms of hell, mm-hmm. when you don't have that facing you, you don't have your mortality facing you, does it strip away any concern with morality? If that makes sense. Um, no, we, we've, we've absolutely talked about it, um, especially like I know that, that you, you know, with your other podcast talk a lot about, you know, sort of needing an end of something to really give meaning to the beginning of something, though mm-hmm. uh, one show that also did a really sort of the a lot of the point of the whole show was um, on Altered Carbon where, you know, 
super, super, super wealthy people um, basically just accumulate more and more wealth throughout time. They can jump into, you know, any body that they want because they can buy the nicest bodies. They can buy clones of, of themselves if they want to, like all of this sort of stuff. And sort of it makes it so that they don't have any real concept of what death is or what loss is because it, it either they live so long that they know that everything is fleeting and so nothing really, you know, bothers them anymore or they have so much money and resources that should they lose something that they didn't actually want to lose, they can always get it back. And right. so, you know, they they have no real idea of what it means to be a living human person because their experience is so different. You know um, what's interesting about that though hmm. is that I mean, it's it's very similar to when we have stories with vampires in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but the thing is, with the whole vampires, it takes that angle of immortality and it makes it this tragic story. Right, because vampires have to brood, otherwise they're well, not vampires. Yeah, exactly. But like it's, it, it's like, it's an interesting contrast because where we're seeing now, it's like they don't appreciate life versus like vampires, they appreciate life so much because they... They, like, see it pass them by every single day. Um, and so I don't know if the difference is that usually with the vampires, it's this solitary character that all they know are the people that have died. Well, yeah, and the primes get to keep the and people the they primes, love. Yeah, yeah, the primes yeah. keep. And, and same with Altered Carbon, um, which is, like, they have a similar outlook because they They're rich their and families. they can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. It's like family is like an inadvertent, I think, theme with how they feel about it. Well, and Gabriel, uh, so the and Joe, just to go back to that point mm -hmm. about Twelve Monkeys, I thought Gabriel was the character kind of voicing those points in this episode. So mm -hmm. you have this scene <coughs> with where Mer well, the first scene actually that it came oh. up was Murphy and Amori when they came in all space glam mm -hmm. and they're like uh you guys need to not hold hands because your brother and sister although I thought Bubs was like you know either way it's fine <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, 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 actually, I have a question so I thought that their deal was that they would get to be immortal but they have we... to pretend they're a prime yeah oh, in order okay. to justify I thought that they were actually going to take those chips those mind drives of those people. I'm like, wait, so what have, like, Murphy did not I think get they will in writing. But yeah, I, they're I wiped think they, already. Well, yeah, they wiped those, the people that they were impersonating in the blue dress, like when they were all space glam, were wiped a couple episodes ago. Yeah. And so I under- room for them on their drives. Correct. And so, and, and to be honest, like we were super confused about what was going on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but I, what I, what I took from it is they need to pose for now for the public as if they are those primes. Got it. In order to have their minds eventually put on, like they're basically going to have to pretend to be these people forever. Mm hmm. Because they have to pretend to be these gods. And so for now, they're in their current bodies. But in the future, their minds will go on those chips and they'll be put in future bodies, in future hosts. But they will always have to pretend to be these two primes. Mm -hmm. Is that what you guys got from it? Yes, oh, correct. well, I didn't. But now that actually makes a lot more sense. Though I am a little bit sad then that we probably won't get Bubs's, you know. <laughs> I, is there like a fake incest trope of sorts yes. where like you have to pretend to be related, but then you secretly also bang? 
Yes. Okay, there is. Okay. Well, I'm glad for you. Bob's is like, yes, and that will be the addendum (laughs) to this podcast. She'll explain (laughs) with some thick recommendations. But no, so in that scene, Gabriel is saying, you know, like basically the price of immortality is you lose your morality Mm -hmm. because you don't, you know, and, and then he furthers when he has that conversation with Russell where he's like, Life doesn't mean anything without death, without an end, which does, you know, immediately I was like, man, if you're, if you're interested in that theme, you should watch 12 Monkeys. <laughs> um, the idea of what does life mean if you don't have an ending to it? And, and I think the hundred is coming at it from a little bit of a different perspective because it's, it's coming at it. What does that do to your morality? If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think some of the plot lines call that into, like some of the other characters call that into question because obviously Riker was struggling. Um, Gabriel obviously has come to a very different conclusion. Um, so I don't know if it's just like, what would immortality, Im- immortality is like an block te- test and what do different people, what does do it do to it? different people? Yeah. Yeah. Um, are we still going over overviews though, or should we get into like going through everything? Um, I feel like we're kind of like into one thing. Um, I guess we've, we've talked about Memori. Um, so that's, that's off the list. Um, let's see. I know that Abby is going to be a big one. Yeah. Um, We should probably save her. Yeah. Um, do we want to get into like a little bit more about the Blakes? Do we, you know, cause we, we touched on them. Um, but you know, I, I know that you guys are big, big Blake fans. So I want to make sure that we, we talk about them enough. Yeah. So I think I was trying this, this has to do with the Blakes. Mm -hmm. Um, and and you actually have a note also as well uh, about faith, um, which yeah, I had ties three into Gabriel and Russell as well. So yeah. I think this is actually kind of a nice little segue. Yeah, I had like three. No, no, no. I had three different kind of like big picture things, thematic stuff. So how do you want to talk about that, Joe? Pick pick whichever one, whichever one you think most relates at the moment. Okay, you you uh, run a much more uh, you run a much tighter <laughs> ship on your podcast, which makes sense because you got a lot of time travel and shit to keep track of. Uh, we just jump around and we're like, you know what? Actually, let's talk about how much Kane dick or bleh, how much of a dick Kane is. Um, and like, he's not even in this episode, but like, let's just you know. Add that. Well, no, so, we go into we go in order. We just usually are able to split it up, but because this one like jumps around, it's all it's, over the place. Yeah, it's very hard to split up, but it, it does help if we go like consecutively so we don't miss anything. Um, well, so do you want, so let's, let, let me round out Gabriel versus Russell. Does yes. that make sense? Since we yes. were just talking about it. Okay. So there is an interesting thing that's going on in this episode in particular, but I think as it also relates to Murphy in earlier episodes, and that is the idea of faith and faith versus truth. Mm -hmm. Um, And let me just explain what I mean by that. So you had two characters in this episode specifically talking about faith. The first was Octavia telling Bellamy, have a little faith. And what I took away from that to mean is have faith in others, like meaning have faith that our friends are going to be able to get this shield down. Yeah. Um, I guess faith in in everything that you've been shown about your friends for the past hundred blah 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 years. I have continuity comments on all this after we get through the theme stuff. Now, Bellamy makes another 
makes sort of the counterpoint to that is everybody thinks it's always going to be fine until it's not, which I now on second viewing relates to Abby, right? Like mm-hmm. you think you're atoning, you're you're saying you're sorry. She finally makes amends with Raven. She makes amends with Jackson, and then she and then she's murdered, right? So it's kind of like those are the two like. Octavia's right. Sometimes your friends will get it down. And Bellamy's right. And sometimes you'll think it's going to be okay until all of a sudden it's not, right? Um, and those both both those viewpoints, which I think there's merit to both, play out in, in different ways in the episode. Um, but the conversation between Gabriel and Russell, when, when Gabriel's like, but the truth will come out and then everyone's going to rebel and we'll finally be done with this. And, and Russell's response is basically, the truth doesn't matter as long as people have faith. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you feed religion as sort of like, to borrow the term from Karl Marx, like the opiate of the masses, then you can make them believe whatever you want and objective truth goes away. And I was thinking about that theme and sort of the whether because you know I love sort of like all of the like what's what's the political allegory Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we are living at least the three of us in the United States in in a time where people are denying scientific truth with climate change um and all kinds of evils um for you know uh, and a lot of it times you point to it and what role religion has in leading people to not call out evil, to deny science, et cetera. And it made me wonder, you know, as the show's kind of evolved, it's always been, I feel like, kind of having a dialogue with what's going on in the world when it comes to politics, going back all the way to like season three, right, with Pike. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's interesting that the moral dilemma in this season is actually far less gray, I think, than it has been in years past, in seasons past, right? Like, murdering people so you can live forever is not a moral point of view that I think most people would be in favor of. I mean, is it murder if they do it willingly? That was something that we actually discussed here, though, is, you know, is it murder if they go willingly? But they don't have the full facts. But also, does that, you know, is it willing if they don't have the full facts? So It's not informed consent, right? So I don't, I, I, I actually think, even compared to Mount Weather, this one is even less, even though, like, Mount Weather... It's pretty black and white. This is pretty black and white, and yet... The show is making the point that if you feed people religion, they won't call out, they, you can blind them to even calling out or realizing the evil if you keep feeding them sort of like faith as opposed to like truth, science, whatever. Now, mm-hmm. it's interesting because you also have this Murphy piece where Murphy says he saw hell. And so... I don't know what that's about in terms of how does that fit into what the show is saying about religion? Of course, not all religion, right? There's plenty of people who have religious faith that don't deny science. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's sort of like this, that that theme. I think it's interesting how this all dovetails that you have truth versus faith. And there's plenty of going on in the real world that pits those two things together and, and, and you know has throughout human history. So I don't know if you guys had any thoughts about that. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, it definitely gets into the, and, and we saw it, you know, with quote unquote, the adjustment protocol, which is sort of 
and again, you know, a very a mirror for for current times of sort of this this fight for your own team and not seeing the negative of your own team, like believing blindly that the team that you follow is morally right, is is logically right, is you know everything about it is is infallible, um, which we see this now and you know and it's interesting though you brought up the fact that climate change that people will deny it for religious reasons and you're kind of like well at that point you 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 try to point out the hypocrisy of things and being like aren't we the stewards of the planet like Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. what sort of gain do scientists have with being like hey maybe we should take better care of things even even if you don't believe the science which is a whole separate issue to be like you know what facts I don't, I don't feel like they're right. Never mind that. Even if you don't quote unquote believe the, you know, the science of, of, of climate change, the fact then that you're like, you know what? Fuck the earth. I'm not going to listen to these scientists and I'm actually going to do things that are worse. And you're like, well, what does that solve? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, you're just being a dick for no fucking reason then. Like, you know, or, you know, littering or something like that. It's like, you do realize that you're just being a dick. Like to the planet and you know that that's wrong like you know even without science that like putting plastic into the oceans is wrong um so it 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 kind of gets into this weird you know when they when when russell then throws the uh the the fairy dust bomb on everyone and everyone goes fucking crazy and starts to to kill each other or whatever um it 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 definitely highlights this this idea that people become sort of and, and you know, we talked about this actually, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, with Gaia being like, why the fuck is she even paying attention to being banished by Maddie? Like, she's a goddamn adult and this kid is throwing a tantrum. Like, what are you even doing? Seriously. And so it's, it's, it's this frustrating sort of balance of at what point do you lose your own ability to critically think because you have decided that you can't accept a loss of face if you accept a loss of faith? If that makes sense, F A C E, and then faith, you know, as in F A I T H. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I, I you yeah. don't want to admit that you're wrong, and it's like cool. So dig in your heels and be a dick about it. Like what? How is that? Logical? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the adjustment protocol is the ultimate. You're either with us or against us, right? Yeah. <laughs> like so, um, you know, it's like the ultimate send them home um or you're not right like well, i mean it's the exact same thing that we saw last season with octavia and you know you're either one crew or the enemy of one crew except that actually made a bit more sense because of how scarce resources were you're locked in a fucking bunker i'm like okay well you know the tyrannical stuff not great but like i at least i'm like okay that kind of makes sense um up to the yeah. point where she decided then to burn the farm and you know as Kane rightly pointed out like that was actually you being you know a power hungry dick um mm-hmm. but other than that you were trying to keep people together not for your own selfish gains but for keeping all of these people alive versus Russell in the primes that is prime selfishness yeah Sorry but I, so pun. I aha uh-huh. so ah. actually I even have a question about the adjustment protocol okay so Sanctum, did he just basically kill everyone in Sanctum except for the small, or his goal is that everyone's going to all kill each other and that you purge, like, the you know, the idea is you purge, purge non-believers. Yeah. But yeah. my question is, who's left? I think we but, are... But who are the believers? Like, who? The guards? Short, but, there, but there were like... Ten, short Jade? But there were like seven... I thought Jade actually got turned into a prime. Wait, did, oh. She did. She yeah, did never mind. 
Um, so, but so, but like, there's like six guards with them on the spaceship. Who else? Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. Russell, kind of, we started out as being like, okay, he's a measured but creepy dude, and then he went full on crazy pants. He kind of he kind of went full on. Uh, he Cage pulled a no, no, no. He pu- well, Cage or he pulled a um. Oh my God, who was the bad guy at the end of last season? McCreary. Oh, McCreary. Yeah. yeah he pulled a McCreary where you're like, oh, burn it you all down. Burn I can't it all have down. what I want. And yeah. you're like, that's kind of, I want more nuance. Right. Because I, because I don't understand like, well, maybe I'm basing this on the trailer where Clark is like pretending to be Josephine is like, take a nap, commit a little genocide, which I don't know if they're referring to all of the people in the pods, but unless they're going to try and convert all of the grounders that are in the pods to this new prime religion. Right. You already thought that this this child was a god. Now, right. actually, what? look look at all these other gods. Well, right. And I guess, you know, that could actually be an interesting exploration because <laughs> it is chip-based, right? But, like, I don't understand what what would be left of humanity based on what Russell's done. I think what do you that- mean? He, he just wants to restore what he had. But, but he just – But there wouldn't be enough left? people. Who's left? So I, I don't think it, we had enough perspective in terms of who was a faithful and who was questioning. I think that that's We just the saw issue. chaos at the end. We just saw chaos. Um, but clearly there's people like, you know, all of Earth crew that got left behind are, um, what's it called? They're barricaded in a shipping container because they're being attacked by people who are obviously faithful. Um, so... No, I don't. I well, mean, I I wouldn't assume that at all. Though they're I, being attacked I, because of the toxins making everyone murderous. But, but I think the, the, I the think point they would look at it as children of Gabriel are obviously the enemy because they always knew that they were the enemy, and mm-hmm. then seeing Earth crew as mm-hmm. the ones who ruined everything because everything was fine until they showed up. But everyone in that crowd just got told by a prime that it's all bullshit. Yeah, but the, it's so hard to believe because they already told the grounders that it was technology and they were praying to garbage and they still are like supposedly about to follow Maddie. Yeah, because so, like you, you can tell people that the religion is full of shit, but like it, between them actually believing that what you're saying is true um, and, and abandoning their faith, it's like it's not... Well, then why would you have them all start killing each other? It's like, do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, it's not, I get why it was like, you know, we started this season with Chekhov's murderous toxin and we ended up in in 612 with it being used as a weapon, right? And you have mass chaos and it's like akin to season three where everybody Mm -hmm. was zombies because of Allie and you have the zombie mass, right? Like, I get for dramatic effect, I don't understand why Russell, what's um, the point of what Russell did? It's, yeah, it is very dramatic. And, well, I mean, I get in, I get like parts of it. I, I get more why he did that. Just take a poll and say, who still believes me? Come on the ship. The rest of you can die. <laughs> like straw poll. I feel like you should leave <laughs> off the last part because um, you're going to get a lot of non-believers. <laughs> well, but like I, I, I get more him doing the protocol thing that I understand him thinking resurrecting all the primes at once is going to solve all the problems. Because how does them having all the primes resurrected counteract people saying that, you know, they're not one with the host. It's all a lie. Like, they're, like I don't, that's the part I don't understand. I don't understand how 
resurrecting all of them is going to allay doubts. Because it's like a miracle. You're feeding people like, a miracle. But it it's still like to me, like the, the adjustment protocol, because they've like tested it. They've tested that like it makes the, um, it especially um, activates the people who are faithful against those who are not. Like, so I get that that's like what they're hinging on. So that to me makes a little bit more sense because it's been tested out. Um, then, like, Russell thinking that he can just, like, sweep everything under the rug by resurrecting everybody. And and so, like, that's where more of my confusion comes from that aspect of this episode and, like, what their plan is. Um, yeah, basically. Okay. Okay. Um, I hate to do this. I drank all the coffee. Is there yes, any way Yes, super can... quick break. Super yeah, quick super break. quick pee break. Super quick. I'll be okay. right back. All right. Cool. All right. Um, so we we I, I really liked us talking about uh, sort of these big thematic issues, you know, especially having to do with sort of the the, the difference between Russell's approach and Gabriel's approach. I think that that was great. Um, I would like to uh, take us back to outside Biodome and talk about the Blakes because you know they are such a central relationship to this show, and the show seems to finally remember that. Um, and so I would like to, to talk about that and then we'll actually move into talking about uh, Creepy Skeleton Tomb Lab because we've got a ton of character work um, that happened there with uh, the Griffin family and Russell and Raven and just all sorts of shit going down. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about the Blakes. Um, and, you know, it ties in to the idea of faith uh, in, in people and, you know, them repairing their relationship and... Yeah. Octavia's like weirdly Octavia's totally like the person who like came back from like a yoga retreat and is so fucking zen and everyone around her is like, yeah. I'm gonna but, punch you in the face. Yeah, kind of. But you used to like get into bar fights every other weekend. Like, I'm liking this is you, but do we trust it? Oh my god. Yeah. I actually I had a friend, my best friend from high school. Um, she worked in San Francisco for a while and I was already in New York. And so she came to visit for, like, a work thing. And I remember she's telling me about this yoga retreat that she went to. And it was, like – or maybe it was, like, a meditation retreat. And she's, like, oh, my God. It was amazing. Like, so one part of it, we sat across from somebody, and we were just supposed to stare into their eyes for 60 seconds. And I saw God. And I was, like, get out. (laughs) Get out. (laughs) What is this? This is not – my like anal pain in the ass best friend from high school. You're like you're like Ron Swanson when he goes to <laughs> yeah. the meditation with Chris Traeger. You're like no, absolutely yes. fucking not. Oh my god, it was so funny, and and it was funny because like we talked about it like years later, and um, I can't remember the context, but but I was like, yeah, Lena, remember when we went to, um, or when you told me about that meditation retreat and how you saw God? And she's like, oh, I was such a fucking dick back then. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were. Thank you for not making me say it. Well, I kind of then hope that we get maybe that from Dioza when she comes back from the anomaly and she's like, listen, Cupcake, I'm glad that you had your spiritual awakening, but like, this is, this is going to rebound a little bit. Like, <laughs> let's just take it down a notch. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, my issue with that scene because we have Bellamy fretting, and if you remember in 413, Bellamy's, like, Clark's going to get this done. Like, he has faith in her. He always has faith in her. And so to have this scene where suddenly he's like, uh, Gabriel, go in after her. And Octavia's the one that's like, she's going to do it. Like, it 
to me, like, I was you just You thought like, that was out of character? I have a lot of um, issues with the emotional continuity in, in the Kim Shumway episodes. And this is, like, a classic example of that. I'm like, I don't know why that decision was made. Like, I feel like it should have, like, I, th- I still think that the Blakes could have connected with, with Octavia being like, like is this going to work? Like, her fretting about yeah. whether it's going to work. And he, and Bellamy is just like, you know, he's the big brother. He's like, well, of course w- it's going to work. Like, okay, so what I like – okay, so I both agree with you. Uh, okay. I, I agree <laughs> Break with – Break it down. I agree with you in terms of um, there are a lot of emotional interactions between characters in this episode that don't, at least personally for me, track – with their overall journey with each other in various pairs. Oh, um season, just like in the last few episodes. Basically. What I like, what I liked about this scene, and, and I agree, I think you could have gotten there in a way that was more in character. For example, Bellamy's second guessing strategy uh-huh. and one versus the many and trying to do better and are we doing this the right way or is this not going to be effective, that kind of mm-hmm. And having Octavia reassure him, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden losing faith in Clark. Although I think that it's not quite losing faith. I think it's just like, I think you could characterize it as she almost just died. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're a little bit shaken by that, right? Um, but but this is what I liked about it. Mm-hmm. The last conversation the Blakes had was this, what are we to one another, right? Mm-hmm. And Bellamy being like, you're my sister, but you're not my responsibility. And and Octavia saying, I want to be in your life and kind of being left at that impasse of not knowing what shape that will take. What I like about this scene is Bellamy is worried. His sister is offering him emotional support. Mm -hmm. That is a really healthy sibling dynamic. And, and it's her taking emotional burden from his shoulders and maybe forging a new, healthier version of their relationship mm-hmm. that is the way siblings are supposed to be instead of him having to be her surrogate parent. And so that's what I liked about it because it's actually moving forward and growth and finding a new way for them to relate to one another. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes. I, I complete. I I agree on that level completely. I just feel that it was like Bellamy's character is comes um, at an expense. Bellamy's character, in my opinion, has come at an expense of this entire season. I don't so, know what his character arc is. Well, for the past two seasons, um, like, uh, he he exists in service to the female characters that are the trio of the relationship to him being Clark, Octavia, and Echo. And I don't think he's had an independent arc. Um, Since season it, three? Well, season four was trying to figure out how am I a leader and how do I atone? I, I can articulate what his arc was in season four, but season five and six, his arc exists in service of other characters. Mm-hmm. Because can any of you guys, arti- like, no. Joe, what's Bellamy's arc this season? Um, I Here's the thing. I, I kind of almost wonder, and we've talked about this on, on, on previous pods, that like, 
Obviously, the Jade storyline had a lot of threads that we didn't get for uh, probably time reasons or whatever. And, like, I wonder how much of Bellamy's arc had to be sort of shuffled around because he couldn't be. Sorry. Was that your beer? Yeah. Is it, has it, is it everywhere? I, no, no, no. I just, I only have scissors to open my beer because, like, my, my good beer openers, like, disappeared in my mess of a room. So. Okay. <laughs> so you're MacGyvering it, if yes. you will. Yes. Nice. Um, in, so, in honor of Henry and Cusack. Exactly. Oh, right. You know, hey, man. If you didn't understand that reference, um, Henry and Cusick just joined the cast of MacGyver, which is helmed by Terry Metalis, the creator and executive producer of 12 Monkeys. So full circle, spiral, whatever. Meaning it's probably good now. So you guys should go watch MacGyver. Moving on. <laughs> um, I wonder how much perhaps Bellamy's character was shifted into other locations because Bob could not be action star um, yeah, with, that's his, a good point. with his knee. Um, but I, I don't think it was cut out because of the Jade. I think that was Echo stuff that was cut out with Jade. I don't maybe. think he was ever a part of that because you never see him like interacting with Jade. I Versus, guess. Like, there's a lot of weird Echo Jade stuff that like feels like we're missing a whole side story. Well, it's any let's and let's be honest. I, this is not just Bellamy. Other than Octavia and Murphy, and maybe a little bit Clark, I can't articulate what anyone's character arc, arc was. Yeah, was I mean, the Amori? entire the entire season. Nobody felt, has an arc. And we Clark's got arc is very plotty. It's not even like like what what was Clark's arc? Don't kill yourself. <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I'm not being facetious. Honestly, like. Try to make up for things and don't I mean, feel so bad that you even, kill yourself. Yeah. I think Bellamy's arc was we got it in. If I had to pick one, it would be like him sort of A, forgiving Octavia eventually, and then B, sort of renegotiating their boundaries between them because, you know, it's one but thing that's to, not again, a character. It's about Octavia. Right. Or, well, then I got nothing for you. Yeah. I mean, Guys, it's Bellamy Blake. He's one of the ma- lead characters of the show, and I can't articulate He's what his one character of arc is. Two lead characters of the show, <laughs> so it's. I mean, I think it's criminal, and yeah, I, I don't. I don't really know what to say beyond that. Um, and look, I, I, yeah. I'll be honest with you. All right, so with respect to character arcs, I Kim Shumway had tweeted. You know, all this plot's going on and I had to land six characters, character arcs by the end of this episode. I think she had an impossible task because mm-hmm. I don't know what those arcs are. Like, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm not, be, I don't mean to sound, I, I, I am like, you guys know that I loved this show. So I'm, I don't yeah. want, I, I, I don't, I don't derive any joy from saying this. Other than Murphy and Octavia, which kind of have similar, like, one is learning to choose, what, what's Murphy's arc? Learning to choose others above yourself? Not really, and, and, may, and maybe finding redemption, and maybe he actually will find redemption in doing that? But like, he, he, didn't, he didn't change sides until he had the immortality chip in. But he doesn't have the immortality. He does. He walked, he walked away from it. No, he has it in his head already. They showed the little scars on the back, like, when he came out, like, in the, in the fancy clothes... That's because but it, it but happened. But if he's walking away from the primes, how will he be able to even utilize it? I mean, someone Separate else issue. can do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, but he's he risking. Has chip. He has he, the chip. But he's walking into that melee 
maybe he hedged his bets, but he's still walking into that melee and walking away from the people that can help him utilize that technology. Um, Octavia is what, like, atone, like accepting responsibility and trying to atone and, again, not kill yourself. Um, like, because she wanted to die at the beginning of the season. Other than, like, Clark, what's her character arc? Like, getting further like control of her of her mama bear and and atoning and and shown and self-forgiveness like i other than that and abby i guess is it admitting what she did and not and self-forgive i i I, i'm really (laughs) struggling like help me out no i i have notes about abby because like everything she says to jackson i was like wait what no and i know i know we're gonna and i know we're We're gonna gonna get get abby but joe like am i being too hard on the character arc stuff like i can't i'm having i'm really sincere like you're listening to me struggle trying to articulate (laughs) what everybody's character arcs have been no, I mean, I think that that's, that's fair. And, but, you know, on the flip side, maybe that's not the show that we're watching now. Maybe Any- the show is not sort of, maybe the show that we're watching is more of a, you know, large, you know, plot thing with sort of overall themes that it doesn't really matter who's delivering them. Um, you know, in the case of, of Russell and, and Gabriel or something like that, like it it becomes less about the character, the individual character arcs, which can be a bit of abrupt and, you know, a a rude awakening considering what we were doing for the first three seasons, um, and being less, you know, it, it seems to be less individual character arcs focused and a lot more, you know, overall thematic things. Um, But to say that you're landing six character arcs and like, we have what we said two that were like. Okay, Octavia Murphy. Well, that, um, obvi- that obviously Russell, means. And I, I think it's supposed Abby's to be Abby. dead. So I guess that's wrapped up. <laughs> Landed. Uh, as, Landed. As a, oh, man. <laughs> by default. <laughs> well, I mean, here's, here's the thing. Clearly, they think they are doing character arcs. And so this isn't Black Mirror. This isn't like we're dropping in on one episode to explore something thematically and then not moving on with characters. Like the show used to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. That, that yeah. Those were, right? Like that's why I loved it. Um, because otherwise you just have season after season of a new setup and it's like getting a sh- present in like shiny wrapping paper and then you open it up and with respect to characters, there's like nothing inside. <laughs> so there's like, not even a dick in the box. <laughs> not even a dick in the box. <laughs> just so, a hole. <laughs> insert oh your own God. dick imagine imagine a dick in there um so yeah so i mean the blakes again that's my two favorite moments of the episode were the blakes mm-hmm. because i felt like wow i feel hey, like there's thing. two characters moving forward or the moment with with that we'll get to at the end with murphy and clark because again it was tied to murphy and octavia have both had two of the only discernible arcs to me so it was satisfying You know, I mean, that's part of the thing. Like, I don't mean to be like railing on and on about character, but like at the end of the day, you can blow up Earth three times. You can land on new planets. But like, unless we care about the people doing it, like we're not invested. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Do we do we have anything about the Blakes? I know that you're limited on time, Cece, so I don't I I, I want to make sure that we like spend ample time with sort of the big the big deal of the episode, which was, you know, the Abby stuff. Um, do we have anything else on the Blakes that you guys want to want to get in before we before we hang out in Skeleton Tomb Lab? I'm good. Yeah. I or just want, well, if we're going to talk about um, 
Bonsai. Stop. That's a cookie. <laughs> he does this thing where he, like, paws at things he wants. Well, yeah. Me too. Um, so, um, I liked... I liked the last scene where I, I didn't like the Bella beans. Like I knew she'd do it because or whatever. He, he clearly did not think that. Um, but I did no, like, it was they, a joke. Oh, right? was it a joke? I don't know. It was a joke. It was, it was him calling himself out on doubting her. Right. Which is why Octavia smiles. She's so out of character. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? Like, honestly, I'm here for like the cheap, like, them yes on their, being uh, battle blakes reminding me of yeah, season battle two stick. if you only think about it in that terms and not that bellamy is completely out of character because he always has faith in clark even though like yes yeah, she just died but she always just died like that's the whole point is that clark <laughs> always pulls through like he is alive echo is alive because of clark but he's saying that like well i don't worry about echo because like, you know what uh, well you know, you know she, echo I, I i like she's so tough blah 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 and i'm like as if, like, Echo's only alive because of Clark, but you're worried about Clark? Like, no, you know what I thought was actually interesting about the whole scenario that I'm glad we came back to it? Mm-hmm. It was the total reversal of, of Mount Weather at the end of season two. In other words, Bellamy's waiting out in the forest, waiting to see if they can get the defenses down to be able to attack the main adversary. And mm-hmm. Clark is the one who is the inside woman. Mm-hmm. Which is the reverse of the end of season two when Clark was waiting for Bellamy to get um, whatever what it what was God what was even the defense thing they had to get down? I don't the, know. He was, he was crawling through some some air ducts. But the acid, no, 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 the, no, acid the acid thing, fog. oh the, the acid. acid fog. Remember? Yeah. So they couldn't they couldn't attack Mount Weather until Bellamy on the inside got the acid fog down, and Clark and Lexa would always be like, "Is he going to do it?" And she'd be like, "I have faith." Um, so it, it was like a whole reversal of that, that Clark is now the one that's the inside. So I don't know, maybe nostalgic for season two. That's all I got. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I'm still not convinced that it was well done. <laughs> um, but no, I completely agree. If we if we put it in a vacuum and it's just about the Blakes interacting, then like them, like Octavia pushing him because like he's not the one that like had faith. Um, she was like that to me was a cute like sibling moment, and so mm-hmm. yes, obviously I love that. But like, if, if you don't care, if, if you if you if A was them wishing the other was dead, and, <laughs> and, and B and B is it's them a punch in the arm, a punch in the arm and smiling, then we're happy that we're at B, even if we don't understand how you got from A. Yeah, to B. exactly, <laughs> exactly, basically. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. All right. We good. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about uh, creepy ass skeleton lab. Which they were absolute. Was it who who said it uh, that that it was like a serial killer lab? Like it was totally fucking Dexter, like keeping Ra- Ra- all of yeah, his Raven. blood slides. Mm-hmm. Um, like why are you keeping the fucking skeletons? You goddamn weirdos! Because <laughs> they're like so into and like themselves. why are they arranged like facing inward? Like it was just creepy. But whatever. So <laughs> we are before all of that. We are in uh, skeleton science lab with Maddie being crazy pants. Um, and them draining her, and then Abby's like, it's fun, I'm gonna make myself a night blood, and then, God, Clark has to pretend not to recognize Abby, it's a whole fucking thing. It was good. It was good. Like, I actually really, like, that was also, like, old school hundred for me, of just, Beautifully like, acted. Just yes. fucking, yeah. beautifully acted. And tragic. But, and like, tragic. in a good way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, that, like, like, Clark having to not recognize her mom, and, like, yes, Abby died knowing that 
like her daughter was alive, but at the same time, like that was short lived because, oh, P.S., like Russell decides we have enough bodies because, you know, she's about the right age, might as well. Which, P.S., I would like to get into like sort of a creepy consent issue. He was of, totally eyeing her. Did like, you get that like, too? He was excited that it was an echo. He oh, literally was like, oh, <laughs> oh, Bob's. No, it happened. Rewatch the episode. I swear it happened because he gives, he gives pain. Maybe this he doesn't look. like, maybe he likes petite ladies. I don't know. Well, let's give Russell credit. Maybe he wants to bang a woman his own age. Exactly. But, like, at the same time, you're kind of like, cool, so you become this body, but we also know everything that goes along with becoming, you know, someone's spouse. Um, That part, like, that part's real fucking icky of just being like, yeah, I'm going to bang you later. And you're like, ooh. Mm -hmm. But that's, like, that's true of every single prime ever. I know, but it was especially creepy here. Yeah, but he's, I, right, like, he's, he can... Right. Like We're the way that he said him. it was just being like, yeah, it's you. I've chosen you and you can't do anything about it. Okay, question. If yeah. you were prime, uh-huh. and so you know how there's that whole line thing, right? Where like you guys always have to wait in line for your, like, uh-huh. your loved ones to be resurrected. Mm-hmm. If you, if your like husband slash girlfriend slash wife was next in line, um, and like the, like the, the night blood available was like, but ugly. But the next one that would be of age the next time was like super hot. Would you this ask the- to wait? No, because I know we're on the CW and they're never going to be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you're just asking me to like say that like someone under 21 is hot and like I mean well, I mean you can see kay. the potential without wanting to jump their bones in the moment. No, 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 I got you. That actually reminds me of Pen 15 when it's like these five girls hanging out in a garage and like I guess like an entire family of five brothers is coming over of like various age ranges and like one of the characters points out like isn't the younger one like 8 years old and like someone else is like yeah, but he's super hot and you're like <laughs> And, like, watching the episode, like, like I watched it, and I don't know exactly how old the boy was who was cast. Like, he was probably, like, 10 or 11 or something yeah. like that and just looked young. And, like, you're watching that, and you're like, yeah, I mean, I guess he's a hot 8-year-old, but, like, also, ugh. Uh, yeah, I know that show's so weird, but, like, I actually tried to watch a few more episodes. And you know the, the guy that, like, sort of likes, um, what's her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Yujis girl. Um, so he was like, I was like, oh, he's the guy that like little me should have liked, but didn't, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, I feel like I can appreciate it on that level that's not creepy because I'm not like, oh, he's hot. I'm like, you see the little me would not have appreciated that, but she should have. (laughs) Exactly. Well, anyway. I feel like it's like that. (laughs) Back to hot, back to hot primes. And by hot primes, I mean, God, fucking Abby. Like, let's, let's, let's talk about. All of the, the the griffins of it and the raven of it and uh. the, the smidge of the smidge of Jackson of it. The, I mean, uh, okay, okay. On one level, uh-huh. just to be super clear, I thought all of the acting was wonderful. Yes. It's never bad, right? So, well, so this has nothing. This has nothing to do. Well, we're not going to talk about the bad acting, but yeah. for in in all of the skeleton tomb lab scenes, we had phenomenal acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought and Paige they, they Turco, did a great yeah. job. Yep, they did. Like Paige Turco was she's great. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, down again, single tear oh. killed me. Right, yeah. like so. None of this has to do with the acting. I, I um, are we are we getting into the Abbey of it all? Yeah, let's get into the Abbey of it all. I mean, okay. you know, and we can tangentially talk about obviously the uh, Shade Hedda of it all as 
Oh God. Okay. I mean, <laughs> so so we have the first. Um, is the her first scene with Jackson, or is her first scene with Clark? Real when Clark comes back and and she realizes Clark's alive. Um, it's yes. Um, if we're gonna skip the Maddie stuff, it's Abby and Clark first. Where Abby okay. thinks Clark is dead first. Yeah. Right. Which means that we Clark are. Clark is, is there and like stands up and like doesn't look at Abby. Yeah. And like Abby is real fucking sad about also, it. Also, in your guys' opinion, did Abby seem more sad about Kane than Clark? Just me? Question mark. Um, I don't it's, think it's realistic either. But. No, that's the thing is the show does these fake out deaths so often. It's almost like a problem with the Blakes where, you know, it's like. None of the reactions, whether it's Abby, I mean, and it's, again, it has nothing to do with the acting, what they were in the time that they were given to have reactions. The acting was wonderful. Mm-hmm. But Abby finding out that Clark is dead should have been a really big fucking deal. Yes. And I think Abby's I think death needed right. to be two episodes. Like we needed to see like sort of the fallout from Clark. A little bit of work with Raven, then like really drive it home in another episode. But since we had already just lost Kane, like we Oh can't. yeah, I did we and I'm not yeah, I was talking about Abby's reaction to finding out Clark's dead. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. We needed more of that because yeah, she would be way more upset. Way and, more and upset. Way more upset. And so here's the thing. You can say, like, if you're listening and be like, look, I don't watch this show for the characters, right? Like, I watch this show because I love the philosophical stuff. I love the crazy breakneck speed plot. Here's the thing, though. When you get to things like this that are supposed to be these big, like, boom moments, right, of Abby dying, when you have it done, when you don't give it the time to emotionally resonate, then you're undermining what was supposed to be, like, this huge dramatic moment. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, like Clark and Abby, if this was the season that they were going to kill Abby off, and all season, Abby and Clark have been on sort of these independent journeys of, of wrestling with what they've done and trying to figure out how do you turn the page and do better. Why haven't they had more scenes together talking about that? You got a lot of questions, Cece. Do you know what I mean? Like, Clark and Abby are the two first characters we met in the pilot. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a time when they were each independently anchoring the two main plots of the show. Like, and it and and Abby is the mother of the protagonist of the show. When the protagonist of a television show loses their parent, and that parent has also been a huge character, it should be a huge fucking deal. Like, I expected that if they ever killed Abby off and you kind of think ultimately with these coming-of-age stories, characters are going to lose their parents, Mm -hmm. I expected to weep. I mean, Gaia is the only non-orphan on the show now. As far as I know, right? Right. Like, Like everyone else's parent is dead. Right. Um, I expected to weep. They just didn't give it the time. And uh, listen... I've always liked Abby. I know there's lots of people in the fandom at varying levels of (laughs) – some of it has to do with writing. Some of it has to do with the way fandoms respond to female characters. Um, There's a lot to unpack there. But a character that's been with us for six seasons, which was the second character that we ever met, deserved – It was too fast of a gut punch. Yeah. They just – and also it's so out of no – like – both the Kane and Abby deaths 
I understand the point that in fiction, as in reality, death can come at any time, right? But in fiction, we are hoping for a satisfying journey. And two characters like Cain and Abby that began opposed to one another, wrestling with what is it to govern, one versus the many, right? What do we do to survive? All of the themes, they they killed them off having Cain put himself in an airlock to prove a moral point, which bears zero effect on oh. overthrowing the incorrupt regime no, that he was, was railing against. But and it you was have, so on brand for Cain. His death was like absolutely on brand because he went out ineffectual he went out wasting the thing he went out being a hypocrite like Like, and i don't agree and i don't well i think that's the i listen like kane and abby used to be two characters that i really really enjoyed and i think that their characters have been seriously underserved by the Mm -hmm. writing in the last two seasons. And so if you think back to the Kane and Abby in season one that were debating about what measures to take up on um, the arc or the ones that were fighting against Pike in season three. Well, to to, to, to flash Season three was a problem though to me. But, well, but okay. But you can, there was a legitimate debate between Kane and Pike. And Kane trying to affect regime change. You had these two characters go out with Kane, and I understand there was an actor availability problem, but then you have you have Abby Griffin just get randomly murdered at the end of an episode. Like that's how Abby Griffin goes out. It, it, yeah. It, do you really do, like uh, if you were gonna <laughs> kill if they were gonna kill the two of them off? Then have them go down in a redemptive fucking blaze of glory trying to take this corrupt regime down. Yeah, I mean, especially especially Kane, I have to say, in terms of like, but yeah, this is just I'm not I'm not arguing like I'm not arguing with the fact that they killed the character off. Although personally, I find a an arc of having one season of someone battling addiction, having them overcome addiction but kind of adopt, I guess what they were saying is like a new addiction to trying to save Kane and do something that was morally wrong, have two scenes that you apologize for and then you kill her off is a like particular, like a very special brand of nihilism that I guess the hundred now specializes in. Well, yeah. so, so let's actually talk about a little bit of, of Abby's quote unquote redemptive, you know, sort of conversations that she had because you know we have this conversation she talks with uh with jackson you know abby we don't have a choice and then jackson being like p.s you know said every war criminal ever and then we also have the conversation with uh sort of forgiveness between between abby and raven um let's talk about abby and jackson's you know sort of the show trying to like remind us that there are no good guys and we have to make terrible decisions but also like it doesn't make any sense (laughs) And also, you turn the page, so Abby turned the page by putting herself at risk to save Maddie, and then she dies. But, like, is she turning the page? Like, it doesn't make any sense, because what it seems to me, like, they're saying, like, they're trying to make morality out of not compromising, but they already compromised by making the the nightblood. And so they're making it again, meaning Kane's death was meaningless, a- apart from already being meaningless. 
It was well, extra I think, meaningless. I think what, I mean, turn the page goes back to Kane and Abby's conversation in season four, right? Yeah. When she was trying to decide about making Nightblood. <laughs> it's actually an interesting I mean, bookend, right? Do- and so turn the page means you did these things in the past. You can't change that. So she can't change what she did that she now understands was wrong to save Kane. What she can do is turn herself into a nightblood and put and, herself and through least, the bone marrow to save Maddie. Because which I appreciate. Like, yeah, that is definitely yes. a motherly maternal thing to have had happen. And self-sacrifice. But she was yeah. already making nightblood. Like, that, that doesn't, that's not like she, I don't know how to explain this. Like, it seems to me like we're already, like, back to gray. And but she made the night blood so that everyone wouldn't be burned at the stake. So like Sure, but is that so like I'm really confused in terms of what the show is trying to say. Because we have like Gabriel who apparently can't shoot Russell despite the fact that he that was tortured children thing. for no, 25 years. They always make the pacifist hold the idiot ball. Well, that yeah. is what this that is what this show does. They no, did no, no, it with Kane and they but, did it now with with Gabriel that he can't put the bullet in Russell's head. But Gabriel isn't a pure pacifist. Like I said, like I, I think it's like I, I think it's kind of weird that we're jumping over the fact that for 25 years he tortured children by like bit. studying them. And like yes, like now now he's like, "Oh, but that what was are you going to do?" But but what are you going to sure, do? But it's like such a weird turn. Like and it's also just like how do you trust that person? <laughs> so like I, I guess like yes, we're supposed to trust him, but like to me it's such a weird backstory to give a character because no, do we have any other characters? So, like, I guess Mouse. He's Gabriel is Sanctum Kane. He but, did horrible things in the past and, and now he's ineffectual right? in the present. I, I don't know that it compares. Oh, no, I mean, listen, I I feel like this is actually super meta because I feel like the discussion you and I are having right now is about the extent to which people can ever atone for things in the past. Yeah. And but- it's actually kind of getting into what Raven and Abby were talking about, about like – you can't change, and it goes to that that Kane scene from season mm-hmm. four, which I actually always thought was a beautiful scene um, that came after. Remember, Bellamy went out in the acid rain, and then he was talking to Abby when she was over at a Becca's lab, mm-hmm. and it was like, how do you make like you did horrible things in the past? Short of just you know saying like, okay, fine, then I should die for it. How do you? You turn the page. Like, what else is somebody like sure. Abby and Gabriel supposed to do sure. other than try and do better? I just think that, like, we're we're completely glossing over the extent to which 25 years of the – And this of is before – Experimentation on children before, before you realize they need they were to be immortal. 21. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is before that they were immortal. They raised children from little embryos and then – tortured them and they had to do this for 25 years to get it right and so there's one thing about like being part of an experiment like i would argue like six months i'd still be like you're you're killing children for six months how did you make it through six months of that like what kind of person makes it through six months of that and it's not like did you feel that way on the expanse what do you mean when they were torturing children with the proto-molecule um to no, not in the same way because why because but it, why it was not in the same scale and and like the end product was not about making Self-serve. people live forever well, but it was about weaponizing it it was about understanding 
this thing that was very powerful and that's could possibly a good, wipe us out. I don't think that's a good enough reason. I, I think that it's a much better reason than they want to bring back their forever. loved ones. Um, by killing people to bring back their loved ones. And, and they obviously we know how they used it. They didn't use it for the whole pot. I don't even know how they, this would have been like a positive thing. They literally hacked the chips. Like this wasn't even a thing that was inherently the way the chips were made. They had to hack them in order to um, revive that person within a new body. Yeah, I mean, I think this goes to the, the what we talked about at the top of the pod, that the moral choices sure, but I, I that are enveloped in five years. I know, but we're stuck. <laughs> it's like, just like, that's how, what kind of person can do that for 25 years? I'm like astounded that that but was now, into a character. But right, but now he's trying to take, that's what we're stuck yeah, okay, with. And he, he's been trying to take him down for 70 years. 25 years of... Child torture. Child yeah. torture. Like, I, I I, can't get past that. Like, that's like, you have to be jailed. Like, um. It, Absolutely. I mean, and maybe he'll die in the, se- in the season finale. I hope right? so. Like, I hope so. And then I'm like proved wrong. Like, I'd rather be proved wrong than like, we have Dio- to like. I, I don't know. I mean, like, Dioza was a terrorist that killed yeah. all kinds of civilians. and Yeah, but she's cool. We love, she's the cool mom. And we love her. So, like, they love to do that. But if we pivot back, because I think it's thematically tied, right? It is, we're having a very meta conversation about what can you forgive people for and what you can't, which was, like, the essence of Raven and Abby's yes. conversation. Yeah, I mean, never mind the fact that it might have been wrapped up in one conversation where it should have been several conversations. Um, I... I I liked that they had that conversation. I liked that we finally fucking got something, though at the same time, Raven should not have fucking apologized, but that's totally kind of also this additional layer of someone who has been abused or, um, you know, affected by someone with addiction that, you know, there is sort of this guilt of, you know, how much did I even, you know, unwillingly or willingly contribute to that, um, you well, know, and, and enable on. that. Raven said some pretty... Yeah, but didn't Abby kind of deserve it? Abby does horrible things no, no, to no, Raven, no. and so many times it goes unaddressed. Like she slapped her for okay, doing you, her job, and, and it you was can, never addressed. And you can, and you and Raven can absolutely say <laughs> things like, "It was abhorrent that you shocked me because you were addicted to something," and all of the things that she did. Saying, "Why don't you go and have more drugs and go kill yourself?" Not, not awesome. I think that was fair given what. Abby put her through. I don't think that's ever fair. I, it doesn't matter whether it's mean or not. I think it's fair that she said it because, like, she had a lot of hurt feelings herself. Whether she, like, comes back to it and she's like, I understand it was an addiction and that's wrong. But, like, Raven's allowed to feel things because Abby, even when she wasn't addicted, put Raven through shit. Like, and so I, I hate that it was never addressed, it was never talked about, and it's not until Abby's dying that we're finally talking about it. So honestly, for me, I would have preferred that they not talk about it at all, that they didn't get to have that chance, and that Raven takes this, like, continued mommy issue to the next person who tries to, like, whether it's, I would love for Dioza to come back from this whatever, and she tries to apply, like, some maternal whatever to Raven, and Raven's like, no, I've been there. This is what happened to me. This, And then she talks about it, and we have a character arc for Raven where she doesn't trust people because of what her mother put her through and who, what Abby, who posed as a maternal figure for her, put her through. Like, to me, that would have been much more realistic, and a 
lot less emotionally manipulative just because Abby's dying now. I I, I just think the ri- the writing for Raven this season mm, has mm-hmm. been very one short. Sure. I'm judgmental of everyone. Yeah. When you think back to some of the things Raven's done, like torture Lincoln. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. she has not not like it's not been brought up once. Like they forgot no, about it. Well, no, I mean, and it just doesn't like you know, I guess this gets back to like what we were saying at the beginning. Like, I'm glad Abby and Raven ta- moved past you did horrible things, like, and actually talked about something else. Um, and clearly they did it because they needed to tie a bow on that because Abby was going to die two scenes later. But, but like, Raven's whole – I mean, I can't – can you guys – I don't understand what Raven's arc has been other than looking no. for Becca's notebook. Yeah. And Which, and why being, would you not have that on you? Jesus Christ, Gaia, do not put down the most important artifact that you guys brought from fucking Earth. Jesus Christ. Like – I just also don't understand the wasted opportunity that you've got Raven Reyes, who has always had this series long, beginning with season three, connection with Becca. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have people who knew Becca and you have her notebook and you are surrounded by her technology. And all Raven, Raven Reyes has been doing is like giving other characters shit and then and then and then like the bow on her arc is like oh i shouldn't have been so judgmental because people suck like being a being a person sucks like that's raven reyes's arc like i don't even it It doesn't make any sense at all i i just it's like one of those things where it's like i'm glad they had that scene yeah but they didn't do the work to get us there and it feels like that should have that was a Abby, fine Abby. scene if they had had three conversations leading up to that scene. Mm-hmm. Right. And at, like, we, yeah. Them. And re- like, remember the history of the show. We met Raven because Abby was the one that got her to mm-hmm. go down to earth. That That is a relationship that mm-hmm. goes back to like, what, episode four of the series? Mm-hmm. Three? So like. like I, it's very early on. Yeah. So it's just like, it's so frustrating watching it because you have two wonderful actresses. Yeah. And with great chemistry, great with, history together, like they know how the other one well, obviously there's works. There's so much there. But, and, and they know and, their and, characters. But they fucked it up a long time ago, in my opinion. Like the second Abby slapped Raven and they never talked about it again is when it started to go wrong. Because there's a lot, there's, I agree. It was, it was this relationship that was, I loved this relationship in the beginning. I loved that Abby had faith in Raven and, and she like helped her realize her greatest potential. And he, she sent her to earth, starting her on this like amazing journey journey um she probably wouldn't have made it otherwise and so and i just it think has there's a, a lot yeah and there's and there's a lot more i don't know why they killed abby off like i i don't know if it's just like she lost her boyfriend so they can't think That's of what to write for abby the griffin most problematic part about it is that it's, yeah. it feels like her love interest died and now there's no there's no place for her and, and it's exacerbated by the fact that 98% of her arc this season was trying to get Kane back to life. And, right. and, and After having his throat slashed and bitten into in the la- in the end of the last season, where you're kind of like, this isn't going to go well. Like, Right. You're right, though. Abby's arc was trying to save Kane, and then once Kane died, she died. 
That's that's awesome writing for like the only actress over 50 still on the show. I mean, what? You don't read it as so romantic that, you know, she couldn't she couldn't go on without without her love. Like what life did Everybody she have with, with an on. empty heart? I'm, and I'm, I frankly think it would have been far more interesting to mine what happens next, like what happens after this conversation when you're trying to quote unquote turn the page and do better and you're dealing with people that you have this baggage with like what how does that take shape the next time you have to make decisions like there was just a lot I, I, I unless Paige Turco wanted off the show it's just I'm kind of left wondering like so really you don't think Abby Griffin has a storyline once Kane is gone seriously That's- yeah, and and if we think about it, like last season, Kane's arc clearly came to an end. Like he made a really poor decision, um, and it would have made sense that like he you died die as a result five. of the poor decision. Like exactly, shit fucking happens. And then it's it's Abby who has to face her demons and come into a new world. Um, and now she has to start over again. Like this is the second time she has to start over and finding out like who she is now, like where where is her space among like that's such an interesting story. And um I mean for what I it's don't worth I don't understand the, the direction that they took that. I it's will all, say Abby in uh Coachella Gold, um, she looked good. Yeah, I mean everybody looks great. I'll just, I'll just say yeah, but, that. But can we like the way that they chose to write Kane and Abby off the show? Not only does it is it sort of unsatisfying uh, from a standpoint of what we want from, like, and we're not least, even cabbie people. Yeah. No, right? I mean, like, I used to, actually I used to really like Kane. Like back in season two, I thought he had a. I thought season one, season two, through season three, even if you didn't agree with him, that character arc was great. Side by side with Bellamy Blake, were two fantastic redemptive arcs but like but like just putting aside for a second think about also the way that they chose to write both of them off and i know that before i talked about um you know they could have gone down in a blaze of glory redemptive taking down a truly corrupt regime and that would have been a great way to end sort of that political story Mm -hmm. of kane and abby but think about how like the mechanics you have abby bring you go to the trouble to have abby bring kane back in another body just so that we can watch her watch him airlock himself Fucking float himself b- but float himself so that it will remind us of what she had to watch with Jake so that it's like emotional torture porn yeah. now now we have Clark have to face the death of her mother by watching her, the person who did it, in her mother's body, and will likely have to, if she doesn't, watch somebody else kill her mother's body in the series season finale. Like, it is not only how you choose to write the characters off in terms of their arc and how you wanted to see Kane or Abby go out, but it's also, like, for the other characters, it's, like, maximizing the torture porn. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it, we got even a taste of it then before, you know, the flip side of it was was Clark having to, like, pretend that, you know, Maddie being tortured and 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 spiraling out with Shade Hedda in her head, like that she didn't give two shits and that she didn't give two shits about Abby, like, you know, earlier in the episode when they were when they were all in in science lab. Like, you know, and again, we talked about how that was, you know, some peak hundred stuff or whatever, but you know, it was definitely it was definitely like really fucking torture your characters. Um 
but then, yeah, with Abby, it's just kind of like, to what end? What was the point of it? Because nothing, nothing, none of the sacrifices that she made really did any good at the very end of it. Because, yeah, she was trying to save Maddie, but now she's dead. And and it's all for the boom moment of having her walk in, be all dressed up, and have Clark have to, right? It, that, that's yeah. what it is. Right? That's what And it's having for. to have Clark have to keep her shit together and pretend that she's happy to see her her fake her her prime mom because she's prime. It's like, just yeah, it's just choosing I mean it gave Eliza great work. Like Yeah, but she like, sold it, but 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 like when you're writing a story, it shouldn't be just to give your actors a challenge. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It should be telling an emotionally satisfying, and I don't mean happy ending. It can be cathartic. It can be tragic. You could have had a tragic end for Kane and Abby. It just is like, man, did they go out with a whimper? It's just like, in a whimper for their arcs, and also in a way that emotionally tortures other characters, and these, and then emotionally tortures the audience. Because now we're going to have to watch, like, that's what they think is drama right is like misery porn i mean and again like i think that they still could have killed off abby in the way that they killed off abby like you know having her assume you know um fuck what is her name mom mom prime fuck i don't know not russell simone simone there we go how the fuck am i blanking on her name yeah to have her assume simone's body it's too much pot it is probably too much pot. Um, to have her, to have her assume, assume, you know, Simone, you know, take her chip and stuff. Like, I think that you know, framing it that way, like everyone is sort of like playing someone else. Like, yes, into it, that could have been great. But, but much like the conversation with Raven, we needed more time to like sort of sit with that and grieve for Abby. Like, yeah. we, we just weren't given the opportunity for, for grief. And I, I think on the flip side of that, like, they tried to make us grieve again for Kane when we'd already accepted that he was dead. Yeah. You know, like, and then they were like, but wait, he's sexy and shirtless now and about to float himself. Be sad again because Abby's sad. And you're like, listen, she's been sad. Like, yeah. he's been gone. He's been dead. Like, you don't need to pick at that scab. Whereas well, I... Or, or I could, like, I'll tell you, like, if you want it to be, this show has a, like, what they think is tragic is not just people dying when you don't want them to. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not what, like, in drama, what actual tragedy, it's supposed to feel cathartic, right? You're supposed, so, like, I, that is not, like... There were a lot, they just could have made a lot of different choices that not only don't emotionally torture your audience <laughs> or like, but could also just have been more emotional. Yeah. You know, like, like more they did- impact. Instead, you just made people like people who loved Abby as a character still were not, not just like, yes, I'm sure, you know, having read Twitter, they were upset that, that, that Abby is dead, but they were really upset about the way that they decided to end that character. And I think that that's the issue is that there wasn't that catharsis. There wasn't that like, fuck, like, yeah, they had to die. But, you know, we didn't we didn't get a Monty and Harper out of it. We didn't get a Jasper out of it. Like, we didn't get this sort of like build up and sort of like on character, you know, like we didn't. We didn't get a Lincoln. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, what if what if it had been? Say you don't have Henry and Cusick available, right? Yeah. So 
at the top of the season, you have Kane and Abby have a really emotional, I probably, I know you guys will make fun of me, but I probably would have cried. And Kane is like, you have to carry on and do what we always tried to do, which is turn the page and do better. And that's Abby's arc this season, culminating with a self-sacrifice that contributes to bringing down this regime. Mm -hmm. And she dies. Still the same result. Still people trying to do better don't get to live, right? Like still quote unquote tragic, but it is like emotionally satisfying, not only for the story, but by bringing to a close these two characters that have been with us since the pilot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) You know, Um, I I mean, so I guess like unless, unless it is lazy writing or nihilism nothing anybody ever does ever matters and we all die and that's the world that's view the of this story. show that and that's the story like oh, oh okay i mean maybe that's been the story all along like <laughs> i guess um yeah. do we do we have anything else that we want to say about abby and her send-off i mean i'm not looking forward to the torture porn for clark uh, you know of having it, to fake that I think it already happened. (laughs) But she's probably going to have to kill her mother. And, but it's not really her mother. So, and then, you know, Clark Griffin lost another person she loves. Season seven. I mean, if Monty can do it, Clark can definitely do it. (laughs) It's not even, it's not Um, even her mom anymore. So what, let's see, we don't have, we don't have too much time left. Uh, is there any, like, one thing that you guys want to cover before we, before we move on to our even more petty dickery and show recommendations? Like, anything, do we want to yes. talk about shade? Okay, what do you, what, what do you got? What's the, um, what thing do you want to cover since you're um, an extra special guest? Okay. Oh, okay. thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, this Maddie okay. flame, flame plot is so and this isn't about the actress the actress is fantastic she's adorable yeah and this and this is and this lola does great you know how i talk shit about kid actors all the time she's fantastic she is fantastic (laughs) you've never said anything bad about her which is like the highest praises that joe can yeah bestow on a child okay so this is she's one the actress is wonder lola is uh what's her last name flannery yes is is wonderful the flame, again, lots of cool things you could have done with it. Lots of really cool or things. Or the fact that if you and connecting to... it with Becca, there's so much potential. No, they this could is have not even done Shade Hedda, except they it wasn't ever consistent. It was hey, her flame is glitching. Three episodes go by without any mention of it. Hey, suddenly she's possessed. Three more episodes go by where we don't talk about it. Oh my god, it's going to kill her. Like it's it, we never like it needed to be a constant sort of like ramp up. But instead we were just kind of like this occasional boogeyman that been, that were like, Hey, surprise. And it's like, well, I'm not sure if we needed any of that for this whole, like, unless that there's going to be some holy shit revelation with the flame. It seemed like just something for us to, to have them have something for Maddie to do. Yeah. Right? And there were so many other things that you could do that could have tied Maddie with Raven and the flame mm-hmm. and Becca and even have Maddie's life at risk, right? Like the flame is glitching or she's at risk because she's a host or she's an extra special host because she has the flame, right? Like all kinds of things that you can do. The way that they have executed this plot with this like fucking Star Wars knockoff Darth Sith Lord bullshit is makes me it, it is it is not good. 
And, and and it is not good. It is probably the the like I don't I don't want to be bitchy, but I think it's like the stupidest plot this show has ever done. And I can't believe that it's gonna be the fucking centerpiece of the finale. Like I, I, I don't ju- know that I, it will Ugh, I think like I think the anomaly is coming back into play. Let's hope. Yeah, I, I mean I'm, I'm in it for the anomaly. Yeah. Well, anyway, I I just I hate it so much, and it has nothing to do with the actresses, nothing to do with the flame. It's what they're doing with all of it, and I and I hate it. I mean, and <laughs> That's again, my I I am That's someone who who is super interested in the flame. Like, I think it's a really cool mythology, and even there being you know somebody bad in the flame, like absolutely. But they didn't. They just decided to bring it in whenever they kind of needed to remind us that Maddie was around. And so that's that's the issue. Like, okay, so she's evil and killing people, but then, like, we're going to bleed her, and now she's being taken over. And it's just kind of like, well, we're at one episode left. Like, what are you guys going to, like, pull out to make this whole thing have some fucking meaning? And I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen. I just don't want it to be that, like, you know, they're going to figure everything out on the Allegiant ship, and then all the all the sleeping grounders are going to come follow their one Heda to beat everyone. Like, it's just, or not one Heda, their Heda to beat all the same time. Like, I don't want that again. Like, um, but Joe, if, if Lexa was not in the flame, would you mm-hmm. still find it? Yeah, I do think it's compelling because... Like, like Cece was saying, like, there's so much that you can do with the Becca stuff. And considering that, you know, all of Sanctum are, you know, descendants of sort of Becca's ideology and, you know, her science and her brain, like, there are so many cool things that, like, they could have done in terms of, like, hacking them together. Like, I, you know, some sort of schmience that, that would have, you know. Uh, Find out a way to beat the primes, right? They're utilizing Becca's technology. Exactly. like, what does Becca know about that? And what can you use? Because, like, the flame itself is super interesting. So, so the issue with, with the prime, you know, mind chips is that, you know, you can only have one mind on the drive. And if you have multiple, you know, minds alive, you know, in the brain and in the drive, shit fucks up. Whereas Becca managed to solve it where you actually record multiple consciousnesses, consciousness, um, you know, that, that are there to advise someone. And so it's kind of this interesting idea of, all right, these primes think that they are so fucking infallible that they should be able to move through time with impunity and like lord over, you know, all of the nulls that exist versus Becca who, you know, who design this this the flame where it's like actually what if we have the knowledge of previous leaders all coming together and able to advise people throughout time like i think that the the dichotomy of those two ideas is interesting and you could have played with that instead we got fucking like you know evil bobby fisher playing chess you know sure with maddie in the mind space also but like also they can't even focus too much on the flame because like the mythology of it falls apart seeing as there's like 30 tweens in there like what what <laughs> kind of guidance the best are you gonna get from tweens advisors like, like it's just like it's it's a but like no wonder shade had a can like control all of them because it, it, it's he's the like, only fucking adult. He, him, and Lex are probably the only fucking adult. And she's like, you know what? I'm gonna sit this one out because this whole thing is bullshit. And I'm just gonna like, <laughs> you know, make my own digital world over here, and not deal with any of this nonsense. Um, I think that's my problem with it. Like, if they had actually built something 
that was made to last, meaning it was it made sense for all the seasons afterwards, but still we don't have an explanation as to how the conclave came to be, which makes no sense. Like as we've seen on Right, on, if nightbloods are rare, maybe night we don't are kill super, them. Yeah, they're super rare. They're it seems even less like recessive is one thing, but it seems like we're dealing with like extreme. I I don't even know what that would look like. It doesn't really make sense in a genetic standpoint, but um, it just it, it feels like they didn't define that enough. So I I'm just like so yeah, they've been killing each other like at every conclave. There's no other nightbloods, but then they wait for. It's just like so yeah, you have a bunch of thirteen year olds in, in the chip. And it's supposed to be this thing that, like, helps you come up... I don't know. It, I have problems with it. And I do wish that they had done a better job. So now we have this shade head of nonsense that I'm just like, enough! What's happening? Enough! <laughs> like, I, I want so there to be aliens. Guys, I'm at the alien stage. Let it just be aliens in do the you guys? Do you guys think that it will have... Do you guys think that it, the end of this season will be... They put Maddie into cryo to stop it so they can solve it next season. Raven gets the flame out or they figure out how to fix it and somehow the flame helps them defeat the primes. I think Raven figures out how to get the flame out. Okay. Well, and Echo and Echo's a nightblood. Oh, so why God. did why why did they do that? They made because very point they very pointedly showed us that she's a nightblood. Because so Bal- I don't- Balark's going to happen. It's just going to be in the way that everyone will be upset by it. <laughs> <laughs> Because Clark yeah. has a mind drive. Echo is nightblood. So it, it, it'd be like some contrived thing where like Echo is like bonked over the head and now is brain dead. So like she has a well, body that's like, so she's a donor. I, I, I mean, know, something like you that. mean in terms of what's going to happen in the finale? I mean, the temporal anomaly has to oh, come yeah. back into play clearly. And this I think that, that's, that's going to be the big yeah. what the fuck with the temporal anomaly. Right? I don't think Echo's Nightblood is going to come into play this season. Okay. Um, I think that, I think it's going to be about the anomaly. I think that Raven is going to get the flame out of Maddie as like a Hail Mary thing. Um, and then we're immediately, it's going to be one of those like Allie things where everyone thought it, oh, wait, yeah, everyone thought it was about Asgata, but it's about Allie. This is going to be like everyone thought it was about the fight for Sanctum and Maddie, but it's about the anomaly. Um, I think that's my guess. Okay. Okay, so we're going to get the flame out this season. I I don't know. Yes. I, 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 do you think so? Because... I think so. Um, I think it's just like... Why did you go to all of this trouble with Maddie training to be the commander to just go, just kidding, now she's not? Well, because I think it's... They have to... So they have to undo the whole thing that they did last season, where it was a season about cautionary tyranny that they answered with the tyranny of a child (laughs) so they they had to backtrack from that because that was i don't know who okayed that (laughs) um it was a very poor story decision and it was not like a moment where i was like yes it was just kind of like what the fuck Mm -hmm. um so i think that this whole side thing was a stopgap to kind of like not have to address the fact that there's a 12-year-old tyrant. And it's, I mean, it's been laughable the times that people have listened to Maddie, a.k.a. Gaia. So 
Yeah, no, I I mean, hey, you know how much I hated the Lord of the Rings Return of the King moment for a dictator. And if the whole theme is trying to do better, then maybe don't have a dictator who's 12. Or any any any, dictator. Any dictator, but uh, I don't know. Put the flame (laughs) in the Allegiance ship. And have it be the brain that like helps them figure oh, out. Oh, have what to it be do. like uh like Lucy on Killjoys. Like yes, a sassy a sassy exactly. AI who runs the ship. Yep. I thought that's what was gonna happen last season. I was like, that'd be brilliant. Like it'll it'll unlock the um the Allegis 3 information. Like it'll help them figure out where to go. Like I thought that that's that's where it was going. And then it got put in Maddie, and I was like, Welp. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Great choice there, people. Not. <laughs> well, and they keep talk and they keep talking about Becca's notebook. Um and so maybe there's something in there about the way that you can short circuit the drives that are inside the primes and that's how you get rid of all of them. I, yeah, so Raven already like she already looked through the chip in season 3. She already read Becca's notebook. Like I just think that like we are revisiting stuff that should not be like new information. It should be like, oh, we, sh- oh yeah, I read this, I remember this thing on page this that like may help us or something. Um, but also, Raven at, in season three said that the chip was degraded, and now we just pretend that never happened, and it works just fine. So, um, it's yeah. I mean, I'm just not. Maybe we have a time jump, and we end up with like original oh, jo- original Josephine and original Gabriel. <laughs> so we go <laughs> like, backwards. Uh, I mean, otherwise, we man, we spent a hell of a lot of time on their backstories and a hell of a lot of time with Josephine for it to not matter. I mean, I think, I think what we're I, I kind of hope that the temporal ano- anomaly lets us. Yeah, maybe it's you know you can go back to like maybe it lets you jump through time or something. I don't fucking know. Like something's gonna happen. Yeah, some some weird shit. Um, do we? I, again, I know we're we're conscious of time. Um, do we have any other thoughts that we want to share? Any other well actuallys? I you, you fucking have hated the Echo Clark hug because okay. that was like completely out of nowhere. And like, yes, I have issues with Echo, and that's my own thing. But they're not friends. They no, have no established bond. Versus yeah. like Gaia, Gaia, like her and Clark have shared this, like, responsibility of Maddie for, like, the entire time we've been in Sanctum. And before oh, oh, that... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Put both of those characters aside. Yeah. Again, <laughs> I was on this podcast last at 512 where we were screaming about the lack of interaction between Clark and Raven. We're now a season later, and you have Raven go from thinking Clark is dead to Clark is alive, and there was, like... No conversation between Clark and nothing. Raven. They didn't hug. Nothing. But Clark nothing. hugs Echo. Clark hugs. It doesn't make and any emo. It doesn't make emotional sense. That hug was framed as if they were childhood friends reunited. But you know what? No, that was Wells, who is never brought up. Like, and so to me, that was like the most offensive take on female dynamics because it, it was like, see, there's no love triangle. This is how women behave. Even if your boyfriend like does everything to save like the other person. Um, it, it's just like, to me, it's like, it's such a bullshit thing that sterilizes female emotions. 
And when in reality, it should have just been like an awkward like, oh, well, what are we doing next? Because that's actually what the story is. That's actually like the interactions that these two have had. Sure. If, if you want to make them friends. They're doers. Earn not, it. Not talkers. Fucking yeah, no. earn it. Like what that is, was what, what that What that had to do was showing that there's no hard feelings. That, that's a response to fandom saying, look. See how mature we are? There's no love triangle here. They, they're hugging each other. If Clark likes Echo, then you should too. And, and that's – it, it was a res- – Well, it's a response to fandom and, and it's not like I want to watch a cat fight between two women over Bellamy. I don't want to watch that either. But I'm just saying like do the work so that it emotionally makes sense when two characters yes. do something. But like the thing is, the love triangles are a fact of nature. They happen. Like, and, and, and so for the show to take this stance where they're like, it's not a love triangle at all. Definitely not. Um, but they show these very emotional scenes with Bellamy and Clark. Like, it's not about creating a cat fight. Nobody wants a cat fight. You know, that's, that's not how, um, we want women depicted either, but to completely like sterilize the emotions, like to me, taking it like, like a natural take on it is like clocking emotions and uncertainties and having the characters actually work through them, you know? And I thought like, you know, the, the quote unquote love triangle of season one with Finn, Raven and Clark, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, we don't want that teen stuff, whatever. But they actually subverted that love triangle. Yeah, they did a great it, job with it that. Was being, great both of them being example. like, fuck you, bro. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was like, it was, it was, they didn't immediately get there. You know, it's hard because emotions are hard. They're complicated. You don't choose to be in the situation you end up with. Like, it, it happens. And but, so showing that you not, feel a certain but, way and, like, being like, like, am I am I not understanding the bond that I have with this person? Am I, like, what? where do I fit in is a very normal feeling. And it doesn't have to be a fight. But it can be uncertainty and you can show that. And you can clock those, like, emotions as it's happening. But to have this, like, hug out of nowhere is so condescending to, like, women. It's like, oh, this is how you act. Like, this is how you behave in a situation like that. Like, it, it's just like, you know what? Like, no, keep it. Okay. Cece, do you have any parting thoughts on Klecko? I, I mean, I laughed at it. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, like it's quite clear that the the season six is course correcting for the Balark baiting that they did in season five, but still kind of trying to have their cake and eat it too by like episodes where it's like, you know, Clark survives because she hears Bellamy's voice. Touch. You know, they're trying to... They were building something, I think, as a viewer, that was building towards something that's romantic. And now they're trying to retcon it into, like, being like Dutch and Johnny on Killjoys. And it, the retcon doesn't, it, all it, all it, all I see are things that don't emotionally add up for the characters. Yeah. And so I think that Clark and Echo moment was much more a response to real life then that so surrounds it was a meta commentary it, it was disingenuous. To it's it's surround it's the it's a meta commentary and it is a almost like breaking the fourth wall and talking to the audience rather than something that actually made sense within the fictional world that they've created between those two characters because they've you know Clark and Echo basically like almost killed each other 
in 512 and then grudgingly came to like, I'll let you go to go save Bellamy. And they've barely interacted all season. So like, I don't understand why they're hugging and Clark and Raven are not. Like they needed to go and hang out in the woods and do some shit together and have a bond. And Well, frankly, Clark, we, frankly, we, frankly, they would have had a lot in common to yeah. talk about, you well, know, when it went, how do I turn the page? How do I redeem myself? How do I be a better person? Well, Clark and Echo actually would have had a lot to talk about, but they didn't do the work. We got a lot of that work with Dioza and Octavia in the beginning of the season, which I really liked. Like the Dioza and Octavia stuff towards the beginning, we talked about on this pod as being like some of the best work. And the fact that, yeah, they were enemies and then they got shoved together and then they kind of grew to appreciate each other and I ship them and everyone knows that I'm a garbage person. But like, I love them. I love them. I just, they had they're my good, favorite Part of the season is Octavia they were and Dioza. A great part of the season. And, you know, the fact that Dioza had to go away for a hot minute into the anomaly, and I'm sure we'll see her. Like, at the ve- I'm sure that the Maybe. very final scene will be her coming out and being like, Sup, everyone, what Maybe. I miss. Or Maybe. greeting them in there. Or yeah. greeting them in there. Yeah. I mean, something's got to happen. Um, but yeah, the, they did that work with Octavia and Dioza, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. They did such a good job. But um, they can't, they can't, they're walking this line between not wanting to acknowledge that anything they were doing with Balark was ever romantic and trying to reset it so that it's platonic. And, but yet they don't want Clark and Echo, like they keep them weirdly separate. Like even the Bellamy and Echo reunion at the end of this episode was really weird because then the camera immediately went to Clark. And I'm just like, guys, just fucking pick a lane. Like, you know, like, I, I get it. Like, I get that whatever I Bellamy's shipped for five awkward, seasons like, is it going to happen. Like, it's just all so weird. It, it just <laughs> doesn't. It just. Uh, and we all know why. And, and I, they I, you just know, won't acknowledge it. Like, and, just and, fucking acknowledge it. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't even. It makes me so. I don't even want. Like, let's talk about what else we're watching, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do you guys, now that we're wrapping up, what do you guys got to recommend to our to our listeners? Yeah. Anyone? Bubs, you want to go? Bob? Sure. Um. So. Mark Rober is somebody who worked at NASA for seven years, nine, seven years. Um, and he's like weirdly hot. <laughs> um, he's married. It's sad. But um, <laughs> he like he does these like science YouTube videos like um, he right now I'm watching one where he's making the largest pool of like actual jello, not jello water, like not like fraternity jello water, like actual jello. And so like, he, how did he chill it? So that's the thing. Like, he's like, he's like, the reason why there's never been a whole pool of jello is because you have to boil the water and then refrigerate it. How can you do that with an entire pool? So, like, it's about, like, tackling the science of it and, like, the the practicality of it. So he does things like how to do an egg drop and always win. Like, how to, like, so these are, like, stupid videos, but, like, all of it's based on science. And he's, he's, like, very charming, although, like, sometimes he knows he's charming and you're just like, shut up. Just be hot and like unassuming. Um, and but like I've been very much enjoying all of his videos. Um, and he's the guy that did like the glitter thief box thing. So you've probably seen that online, but he has like a lot oh, of other that cool guy. videos. Yeah, it's that guy. Oh, that guy's great. He's great. So I guess my my recommendation this this time is a YouTube channel called Mark Rober. <laughs> all right. Cece? Um, I tried to think of sort of like what 
either themes if people found them interesting. So if you're interested in sort of what The 100 has touched on a little bit this season about truth, what is objective truth and how is that impacted by like faith and ideology, go watch HBO's Chernobyl. Oh God, the first episode I was so fucking angry. Like, because yeah, like this idea of saving face and not acknowledging factual facts because you don't want to believe them. Oh man, I was infuriated. But yes, Chernobyl is fucking amazing. It was so well done. It's one of the best things I've ever watched on TV. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you are frustrated by, as I am recently with television, um, about (laughs) nihilism and... um, or really want really well-written character arcs and character, like, human connection offering, like, hope. <laughs> um, you guys were the ones to tell me park- to watch Parks and Recreation, and I have blown through. I'm like, I'm we're season- so proud of you, by the way. Yeah. Season Every time- seven. I so proud. So proud. love it. It has been, like, a tonic for my TV soul after... The Hundred and Game of Thrones and Veronica Mars and everything. There's just literally there's everything. A, there's a lot of there's a lot out there that has either been disappointing or makes me really depressed. And so Parks and Recreation has been wonderful. The new show that's coming up on what is that new platform called? Queeby? Is that I cannot fucking with all of these goddamn platforms. There's like the sure. moment that Netflix lost all of their licensing this year, and suddenly we're getting thirty thousand different platforms that you all have. I'm like. Guys, you are not solving cable anymore. The whole reason was I wanted, like, one thing that I paid 20 bucks a month for and got to watch what I wanted to watch. Instead, it's like, so you have three shows on this, five shows on this, this one has the movies, this one has original content. I'm like, motherfuckers, I'm just going to pirate everything. I know, but... that's where it comes down to, because, like, Netflix... It's not convenient anymore. Like, I could do Hulu and Netflix. That's it. And but Amazon Prime, but HBO. I'm in, yeah, like four things. That's a lot. That's a lot. But I'm gonna, but I'm gonna sign up for Queeby because if you love mythology that will make sense and character arcs, wait, is this Terry Bear's new project? Is and genre? Then Terry Metalis's The Last American Vampire got picked up by Queeby based on the novel, and I, I am. Oh yeah, I am so freaking excited. Yeah, we, we trust we trust Terry with with story and characters and writing women and understanding things. Yes, and we I do. was and I very was very 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 lucky to be to I got to read the pilot script for Last American Vampire, <gasps> and it is fucking amazing. Like this is going to be your next favorite show. Yeah. So two things to watch and one thing to be excited for on the horizon. I think the Yay. article this week said 2020. Yay. Um, all right. Since I, I will, I will go through mine really quickly. Uh, I will forever keep recommending Letterkenny um, because it is God. It's just so fucking good, and it's easy, and it's cozy, and it's funny, and it's sweet and it's charming. Ridiculous. And it's just so good. It's so good. But anyway, um, so girlfriend decided to start End of the Fucking World, which I think is on Netflix. Um, and we've only watched, I think, two or three episodes because oddly she doesn't want to binge it. She's like, I love this so much, I want to savor it. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Um, but it's uh, the premise starts out with this like super weird fucking. T- there's there's two characters and we have voiceovers for both of them. Uh, there's a boy and a girl, and the boy um, it thinks he and possibly is a psychopath and has like murdered animals and he wants to kill a person. 
And this weird outsider girl decides, they're both teenagers, I think they're supposed to be like 16 or 17, and this weird outsider girl like decides to like befriend him, and she's got like a shitty home life too, like she's got her own bullshit going on. Um, And sort of, at least within the first two episodes, it's sort of them, you know, kind of, it's almost like a mad love kind of thing, like them against the world, except, Mm -hmm. you know, it's him in his voiceovers being like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna kill her, I wonder what it's gonna sound like, and he's like, constantly planning her murder but then i think he's also like kind of catching feels for how like weird she is like i don't know where it's gonna end up like i I, you know it might be you know they're leaning towards romance but at the same time the show also tends to zag a little bit when you expect a zig so um so far so good it's british well aren't Um, they in a relationship huh aren't they in a relationship well so the girl kind of decided that they're gonna be together and he's such a weirdo and wants to kill her that he's like yep sure um (laughs) But uh, the last the last episode that I ended with, they are spooning on a spooning fully closed on top clothed on top of the covers, sharing a bed at a motel. Um, but he still also is imagining killing her. Um, that sounds like uh, the Bellamy and Echo love story. It oh, really God. is. It's very sexy. <laughs> um, she does not have any pants. Bellamy and Echo her. is not sexy, so I hope it's more sexy than they. Love no, them. I just I just mean characters that went from wanting to kill one another to overnight being in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Point is, uh, it's it's so far it's pretty good. It's weird. It's funny. Um, it's British. Uh, I'm curious to see where it goes. So I'm just gonna recommend it. And uh, Amy from Twitter is also a big fan and did not take offense when I when she has told me about one of her kids. And I was like, that actually kind of reminds me of this boy from a show, minus <laughs> the killing part. She was like, yeah, I think yeah, not not taking offense to that. And I was like, okay, good. <laughs> By the way, your your kid, as you've described him, seems like you know a psychopath. No, not actually. Just like kind of reserved and very dry and funny. Um, awkward. Anyway, uh, do you guys have anything else to add? I've actually seen End of the World. Oh, is it good? Do you like it? Um, I did like it. Um, with caveats. I, I I didn't like it wasn't like a lasting oh my god I love it so much um I just like it though it's like weird and like I think that's that was the best aspect of it was that it's weird and quirky um and and you you have fun like being like what the fuck is wrong with this kid yeah um and this and the girl you're like what the fuck is wrong with you like what are you doing like yeah. think about your life choices but like it, it's never in a way that you're like ah you're just kind of like. Well, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> um, well, you done fucked that up, bud. Is there a season two? Or is that why it came up again? Or I have no idea. It's just been like, I think she was just browsing around on Netflix uh, okay. and was like, oh, what's this? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, listeners, if you have seen it, let us know. Since we just got feedback from one of our listeners that they're, they and she and her husband are loving Pen15, even though I can't even bring myself to continue watching it because it is so cringy and so well done about the cringe. Like I just is, saw the thong episode. I don't think I've seen that episode. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> it's so, like, the cringe factor on that show. Like, I have to leave the room and tell my girlfriend to leave it playing and to fill me in. Like, with what horror has happened. I literally, like, put my head in the pillow and kick my feet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's incredibly well done cringe. So, again, yeah. we will continue to recommend Pen15. Um, I think that's it, everyone. Thank you so much for coming on, Cece. Um, I know that, you know, you got you got a lot of other podcasts. You, you oh, gotta, shut up. You got to wrangle and, you know, important, important things that you got to do. So... I appreciate it. Oh my gosh, two my I get I got to talk to two of my favorite people in the whole world for like three hours. So well, thanks for having 
Thanks we'll for having me back. Maybe we'll see you for a 712. Or no, 715 since we're getting 16 episodes. Yeah. Or you can come back for 12 and 15. Who gives a shit? Um, whenever you guys want to have me back. Yeah. Okay. Would love to. Okay. All right, guys. Um, may we geek again. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I never know how to sign off. Okay, bye. <laughs>